This is Jocko Podcast number 407 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. We all face challenges. We all have setbacks. We all suffer. When these difficulties hit, some people break. They surrender. They let circumstances, fate, and events that unfold control their attitude, dictate their emotional state, and determine their destiny. They adopt a defeatist attitude of negativity. They accept failure. They curl up in a ball and wait for the clock to run out. They quit. But there are other people who are diametrically opposed to that attitude. People who, in spite of incredible challenges, adapt and overcome. Of every person I have ever met in my life, Travis Mills has faced the most traumatic, intense, and brutal challenges a human being could face. And he faces these severe challenges continuously, every day, over and over again. And yet, he has the best attitude of anyone I know or have ever known. His emotional state is always positive. His humor is always on point. His mentality is pure strength of will. Despite suffering the most horrific wounds imaginable, he chooses his own destiny and is unstoppable in his drive and commitment to live life. Travis Mills is one of my friends, one of my heroes, and the most inspiring human being I have ever met. Travis received injuries beyond all comprehension. While serving in the U.S. Army in Afghanistan, an improvised explosive device big enough to destroy a vehicle ripped off his arms and legs, leaving him a quadruple amputee. In that moment of shock and despair, when most people would be focused on themselves, Travis's first response was directing the medics tending to him to care for his fellow soldiers instead. He thought he was going to die. Against the odds, and thanks to the skill and determination of those medics, he lived. But his battle was far from over. In fact, it was just beginning. Upon returning to America, he started an almost unbearable journey of recovery and recalibration. Countless surgeries, excruciating pain, hallucinations, fighting to stay alive. Then, He had to learn how to live again. He had to learn to utilize prosthetic limbs. He had to learn how to walk, eat, and accomplish seemingly ordinary tasks like getting dressed and brushing his teeth. He also had to recreate his identity now that he could no longer serve in his beloved army. And, most important, He had to recalculate and reimagine how he could be the husband and father he knew his family deserved. This was not an easy path. I cannot think of anything in life more difficult to overcome. Yet, Travis has achieved exactly that. He has excelled in every aspect of life. He is an author, a business owner, the founder of a powerful charity organization, a speaker, and a devoted family man. He is a recognized source of laughter and light to all who encounter him. 
Without question, Travis Mills has turned tragedy into triumph and victimhood into victory. In the game of life, Travis Mills is the undisputed champion. And that right there is an excerpt from the forward, which I had the honor of writing to a new book, which is called Bounce Back, 12 Warrior Principles to Reclaim and Recalibrate Your Life, which is written by Travis Mills, the man himself. Travis has been on this podcast before, over six years ago, actually, episode 90, where we discussed his first book, which is called Tough As They Come. And if you haven't read that book or listened to that podcast, go listen to that podcast and read that book to learn about the life of Travis Mills, where he came from, what he went through. But if you wanna learn how he got through it and what he learned from it and the principles that he has to pass on, then get this book, Bounce Back. We can all learn so much from Travis. And it is an honor to have him here with us tonight to discuss his life and some of these lessons learned. Travis. I mean, that was so good. I don't know what I should say because you always, I mean, it's impressive. I'm over here with goosebumps thinking like, man, this guy sounds awesome. Whoever he's reading about, what a cool, I mean, I want to know that guy. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. (coughs) To be honest with you, I, I almost never talk in like absolute terms. Think about it. You know, it's really difficult to say someone is the most inspirational person you've ever met in your life. I don't throw those things out there lightly, but this is the truth, man. Like, I have never met anyone that inspires me as much as you do. And so, like I said, I, I don't speak in those terms. If you listen close, I'm always very careful. It, you know, because mm. when you say someone's like the best, you're basically dissing everyone else. Like, if I'm doing jujitsu with someone and they're really, really good, they might even be a world champion. I'll still be like careful about saying, oh, they're the best person I've ever trained with. Yeah. Because then there's some other people that, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, I did, I, I, and I appreciate that because obviously you wake up every day and look in the mirror at yourself. And I mean, everybody gets motivated. Even my my, my wife today, she uh, before we flew out here to old California, IA, um, she took a picture of her watch. It was, it, it was oh, 4.54. She goes, who, who am I, Jocko? <laughs> um, she's a little late. But either way, no, and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, um, I'm pretty good at jujitsu myself. Uh, yeah. I was yeah. at the camp. I started on the white belt mat day one, you know, not knowing what I was doing. And by day two, I was on the black belt. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. How do you feel? Have you kept training? Uh, I, I went uh, one other time mm-hmm. just because of scheduling. Yeah. Uh, I plan on going next – nope, not next week. No, no, maybe next Wednesday. But um, no, was it, I, I was do. it fun? It is fun, but what I, you know, there's some people. One one guy in particular did not like when I tapped him out. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually was pretty upset, and I saw him the other time went and trained, and he mm-hmm. didn't really make eye contact with mm-hmm. me. But he was upset, and I get it because I'm handicapped. But what mm-hmm. people don't realize is like we used to do ground fighting tactics mm-hmm. like three days a week, and in, in when I was in the military, so like I understand the concept. And um, with me, it's so hard. You either got to choke me out, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, you're difficult to leg lock. Yeah. You're difficult to arm lock. Yeah. <laughs> you got to choke you. You know what I what I realized when we were talking was, for you to do exercise is like, there's only so many limited moves that you can do. And so like doing jujitsu, you totally were doing jujitsu. I oh. mean, and that's got to be so much more fun than the kind of normal. I mean, for me, jujitsu is more fun than running, more oh, yeah. fun than swimming. It's more fun than lift. It's more fun than any Echo Charles. 
Correct. support Correct. is more fun 100%. than any form of exercise. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. definitely. And I, I used more mm. muscles I haven't used in years. Oh, dude. Were you sore the next day? I, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I like, but I was, like, playing it off. I'm like, I'm not sore. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, let's go again. I'm ready. But then, then I go to Pete's. And where he trains in uh-huh. his gym there, yeah. he has a. He's like, I want it to feel like it's Brazil. So the doors are closed, the windows yeah. are closed. He's probably had the. I think he had the heat on, pumping humidity in the yeah. air somehow. And then he yeah. plays. Did he play Brazilian? Oh, music he did. Too? Oh, he did. <laughs> and like I'm like, thing. and I'm like, okay, how do I get more air in my lungs? Like I was going against uh, Ian. Yeah. And I got to the point where I'm like, Ian, you're not going to tap me, but I'm. But I'm telling yeah. you right now, like I can't breathe. Like I'm going to need to take a minute here. Yeah, that's but, tapping, um, by the way. Yeah, well, just saying cardio, that counts. Cardio. I understand you can, that. You can. I'm just saying he didn't choke me. He didn't choke okay. me out. Okay. But you're right. You're right. And then, and then, like I, I spent like fifty thousand dollars on a brand new gym at my house. I got a sauna. My wife's got a Peloton. I got a tonal machine. And let me tell you something. The two times I've worked out in there <laughs> for the for the gram, those posts have went very well. So you know what I'm saying? Like do it for the gram. But, and for my health. I need to do it for my health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And uh I know you were an athlete. Again, go listen to Podcast Night if you, you were if you haven't or get the book uh uh Tough as they come because you were an athlete growing up and like you it's real obvious that you were an athlete growing up when you train. When I trained with you, mm-hmm. like when I trained jujitsu with you, you can just feel you have like you're strong as hell, and you the way you move is like a little crazy. And I think I actually punched you with my left, uh, right, uh, my left pro- or uh, my nub. If yeah, you and you, I, you, your eyes went right red. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sh- this is how I die because the way you snap from like, oh yeah, try this, and then to like, I'm gonna eat you. Um, it scared me. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you see the film actually? Oh. They have the video where I'm like, I, 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 I'm sorry. Like, you just keep going. I'm like, oh, I just punched him yeah. right in the forehead. That's the way jujitsu is. Jujitsu is a full contact evolution. Like you're yeah. gonna get, you're gonna get jacked you're gonna get punched you're gonna get hit in the face head butted like everything's gonna happen and it's just kind of the way it is and i mean i just got my little arm like uh-huh. a little bone there that secret weapon i love yeah it. you definitely have some techniques to develop because like in, in echo like in his arm his shorter arm there's like a bone in there yeah and it's it's like it's like having an elbow at the end of your arm or something like that. So when you grind it in there, it yeah. was not. It didn't feel good. Yeah. We'll yeah. say that. It's yeah. a, did, I sh- did I show you when you were there? Or no, did I, poke, did I push it into your chest? No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'm sorry. No, you will. But it's uh, <laughs> it's it's some form of HO that like when your bone breaks, it like grows funny. Yeah. And they were supposed to like it grew so hard. I mean, so pointed that it was bruising my skin from the inside out when oh, I was dude. putting my left or my right prosthetic arm on. And then they wanted to like cut you open and grind it down. Right, right. And it would took me out of my recovery for like two weeks or or something like that. And I said, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So my buddy yeah, was yeah. like, just hit it on the table and it'll oh, chip yeah, the yeah. bone. So I just like hit it on the table repeatedly for like 45 minutes until finally I was like, I think I might have rounded it up. <laughs> and I did. It round, I mean, it rounded out enough. Like it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> Where and are the chips? They just float around, I think. Just I in know. there. Just bone got consumed. Fragment. Yeah. So we were talking before we hit record, like your reason behind writing this book, 12, I didn't, did I read the uh, 12 warrior principles to reclaim? Okay. So that's like the subtitle 12 warrior principles to reclaim and count, recalibrate your life, which can we say you took that from Jordan Peterson who had like the you number, know, be, like the best selling book for the last like 10 years? This is the second time I heard this today. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even read books. Uh-huh. So I have no idea if that's uh-huh. what they did mm-hmm. um, because okay. I didn't pick that. Um, the publisher was like, hey, we're going to do this. And I was like, if that's what you think. But I don't know who that guy even is. Okay. And here's the thing. Like, I should because yeah. it's embarrassing because I'm the drive down. 
my buddy Max, who lives in Temecula, mm-hmm. he's a Paralympian, like um, in, in track and field, and uh, Navy um, corpsman. Mm-hmm. And I called him up, see how far he was away and whatnot. He goes, "Did you uh, you steal that?" And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." He goes, "Okay," and I'm like, "No, seriously, I don't like read books. Like, yeah. if it's not audible." So like now I feel embarrassed where I'm like, well, well, not only do you write a book called 12 rules for life, he wrote another book that's called 12 more rules. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. Well, did he cover the, the, you know what? I have no idea. I didn't do that, but I mean, look, the cool thing is, uh, he would like he he would love this book. Um, so we'll I'll I'll send him a copy of this thing. I so mean, we don't. I mean, I don't want to get mad at me because yeah. I didn't I didn't even know he existed before. That's probably what he'd be more mad about. Yeah, but <laughs> just because I'm not a learned Dude, man. He's been one of the most uh, <laughs> you know I mean? covered like, figures in the news for yeah. the past like five five years. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, we had him on this podcast. He's been on a few times. The first time he was on, he wasn't really popular yet. Yeah, and so you know he came on and it was sort of like cool. Um, he wasn't quite then, then after that one He just went Richter. He did an interview with the BBC mm-hmm. and this woman was kind of questioning him and it, He was just kind of calm cool and collected and and she kept saying um, So you're saying and she would like take his words and kind of try oh, yeah. and make him sound a little bit different Yeah, and he, he was like no, I'm not saying that and it was just it really was it? It was an interesting interview to watch, and it and it got tens of millions of views, and then his book came out, and then it just all went crazy, and he became like a really, really popular guy. And he's a super nice guy. He's even to this day, like he's a super nice guy. He's always been cool to me. He's been cool to us the whole time. Like he didn't change. Like when he became from just like a normal kind of person to a, li- he's got to be the most famous psychologist, Echo. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, before this book comes out, November seventh. But yeah, yeah I get once your book comes out, obviously. <laughs> yeah. so. But uh, sure. so, so here's the thing. Like, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know this coming down. <laughs> I catch your guys' podcast when I can, when I have time to drive. But yeah. usually, it's a lot of windshield time. So I catch the ones that I can. But I don't, I don't read a lot. Mm-hmm. Just like flipping pages is hard for me, and it's yeah. like a total excuse. I know that. Do you do audiobooks or something? I, I do. I catch some audiobooks. I listen to uh, <laughs> this book of stream ownership. I yeah, did. I've heard I that did. one was good. Yeah. They're oh, good real things. good. Real good. They got, there's two guys that narrate. They're just fantastic. <laughs> um, but I do a lot of audiobooks just because it's I, I can't like flip pages that well. And I mean, I know yeah. it sounds soft to me. Like I probably could figure it out, but mm-hmm. but then ugh, I don't know. Reading puts me asleep. Yeah, reading. Uh, I read because I have to read. Sometimes I want to read, but like when I was growing up, I didn't read barely anything. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in high school and stuff, I didn't, I didn't read barely anything. I, I don't think I completed a book in high school. I read one. I read one when I was. Do you in remember fifth grade. what it was? Oh, I do. What? Where the red fern grows. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I want to ruin it for everybody, but I'm going to. When those dogs died, it wrecked me. I walked across the hall to my sister's room. Full tears. Dan Little Ant died? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, and I quit reading the, the book. about? I don't know what the book is about. Uh, like backwoods, something they like, they're like, uh, they're, they're is it about hunting, dogs? Hunting is it like, dogs? is it about humans or is it like the no, dogs are humans? Like, no, no, no. It's humans. And then these two dogs are okay. like hunting dogs. And Can they, they talk and stuff like no, that? Oh, okay. No, I don't think, I don't remember. Yeah. It was fifth grade. Okay. But I do remember like, I'm done reading. <laughs> like this just ruined me. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like if you read my first book, you're going to find out I got blown up. You know, it's sad. I, I didn't even see it coming. But you know, it's weird being 36 now because I got two feet in the grave. You know what I mean? But like... 
I mean, sorry. <laughs> you were, yeah, I was, you know, just reviewing, like I said, I reviewed, re-reviewed the, the first book. Yeah. I listened to when you were on the podcast again. And yeah, it was, you were 25 when you got blowed up. Yep. Yep. And I didn't even see it coming. I know. I mean, I always thought I'd retire from the military, but I didn't mm-hmm. know I could just do it that fast. <laughs> do not pass. Go go straight to re- medical retirement. Yeah, just there, just there. I just you know, I want it. I got it. You know. <laughs> uh, so going back to the question that I veered off on, what was kind of the reason that you ended up writing this book? You were saying this because people would ask you, like, dude, how do you? Basically, which I could see, you probably get asked that thousands of times. Yeah, like, yeah. how do you do it, man? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean. The worst, the, the, yeah, people are always like, how do you do this? Or like, I, I don't know, like how you're so able to, like how you're able to just be so, you know, cool with it and understand, you know. And I was always like, well, I have to, mm-hmm. you know, like real simple to the point, like I have to. It's kind of like, um, and this is, you know, veering off, but like at my foundation there, we bring out the, um, I sounded very, very Minnesota right there, at my foundation there, <laughs> but I didn't mean to. But um, we we did the veterans that have been through. You do, do you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't you know? So we, well, we bring out the veterans and their families, uh, physically injured veterans, and we show them how to do things adaptively. But everybody's always like, what do you do for post-traumatic stress? And I was like, uh, well, there's these two programs that I highly recommend, Home Base and Warrior Path. And they have their own things set up, blah, blah, blah. Well, we became a chapter of Warrior Path program, mm-hmm. so we offer it now. And when people were asking me, like, how do you do it? Like, this will be miserable and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I have to. And I was like, maybe I should break that down. Mm-hmm. And not only break it down, because I feel like a lot of times uh, people will look at me like, oh, my gosh, well, I have this going on, but there's nothing compared to your situation. And I got to remind them, like, your biggest problem is your biggest problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't compare what happened to me to what you're going through. So I took stories of, um, you know, drug addiction, uh, there was a sexual assault, like a child sexual assault case, there was um, a widower, a cancer survivor, things like that people go through every day, um, a house fire and a divorce, and how they got to the very bottom, and then how they like climbed their way back out. And then because I had a collaborative author, um, Kathy Huck, who's a research author, she went and found the medical, because I said, you know, there, there's got to be medical research and theories on why your mind does this or your brain's able to think a certain way. So we put those at the end of the chapters that we um, had in there. Yeah, you no, know? that was clever how you got someone that was smart smart yeah. to yeah. help you in this book. Because, you know, I I, I, um, I, I left college because I, I just couldn't focus on the whole schoolwork. Yeah. But then I found <laughs> as long as I get blown up, and I look handicapped and people are like, oh my gosh, he can walk and talk. That's amazing. I can find someone to do the work for me, you know. Guilt trip him yeah. into oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's all my life. I get pulled over all the time. I'm like, oh, my foot got stuck. I'm sorry. I just couldn't feel it, you know. Heck, the state troopers in Maine gave me my own badge. Like, I got my own badge. What are you driving? You're driving a, Are you driving a Bronco? I have the Bronco. Um, is that thing like a Raptor Bronco or is it a regular No, Bronco? they didn't have the Raptor Bronco when I bought it. Oh, so, okay. But it's, it's all, you know, the wild... Wild tracks and Sasquatch mm-hmm. dance. It's, it's all souped yeah, up. It's awesome. I like it. I drive that just in the, in, you know, it's going to sound bougie, but I only drive in the summer. I don't want to get it, like, I don't want to get it, like, um, any salt on it. Yeah. So I drive it with the top off. And here's a dumb thing. I know we're veering here. The dumb thing is I waited. They were like, hey, for the 2021s, we can get you a soft top, not a hard top. I'm like, I want the hard top. That's what I put in for. And I'm going to wait. So I got the hard top. And then I take the doors and top off all summer long, so mm-hmm. I don't even use it. And then when the winter comes, I have a I have a Yukon that I drive, an older Yukon. I got an American flag grill in it, all blacked out. It's tinted illegally, but again, I got that special badge. <laughs> in my registration, I keep inside the badge that the state troopers gave me. So I'm like, oh, it's in here. If you can just find it in there. 
Shit. I mean, get out of jail free awesome. card. Monopoly's a game, but this is my life, you know? <laughs> Freaking awesome. Sorry. Um, all right. So let's 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 go into the book a little bit and um, start with this section here. You say we all have a moment in our lives we'll never forget—a moment that completely changes our life's trajectory. For me, it was not the blistering hot day in Afghanistan on April tenth, two thousand twelve, when I dropped my backpack and inadvertently set off an IED intended for a truck. It was not the day that nearly killed me and left me seriously injured, although I will say that day was a really, really bad day at the office. No, my moment came some 18 months later sitting alone at my in-law's bedroom on a small Texas ranch. As I sat on the edge of the bed, I looked at a young soldier staring back at me from a small sterling silver picture frame, sporting a bright orange baseball hat and a toothpaste ad-worthy smile. The soldier stood proudly in uniform, flanked by his squad, grinning in the Afghan sun. That soldier was me, U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills of the 82nd Airborne Division. The picture was only taken two years earlier, but it might as well have been another lifetime. I was no longer that man in the image and never would be again. That was the moment I felt helpless, enraged, despondent, afraid all at once. And we all have those moments. I had a hard realization. My military days were over and I would never wear a uniform again. I would never give orders to my men again. I would not fight for my country again. I was no longer Staff Sergeant Travis Mills serving on his third tour of duty in Afghanistan. In the Army, everything had been laid out for me. There was always a clear mission and a throw uh, strategy to execute it. I always knew what I needed to do and how to get it done. Now it was all just so unknown. I know I am not supposed to admit this, especially as a former member of the 82nd Airborne, but my eyes welled up. I blubbered between deep gulps of air trying to catch my breath. Luckily, my wife, Kelsey, walked in at that moment. I used what was left of my right arm to wipe my eyes as she sat down next to me. As soon as, I, as, soon as she saw my blotchy face, she looked into my eyes and rubbing my back reassured me, everything is going to be okay. We have each other and you know we can get through anything. It's all going to be fine. She didn't say much else. She didn't have to. Just being there helped. I knew she was right. Kelsey and my daughter had been with me every step of the way while I recovered at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. My parents, her parents, and my extended family were also so supportive. My fellow soldiers had my back and still do. I knew I was one of the lucky ones. There were plenty of fellow soldiers who didn't get to go home. There were others who had made it but didn't have the kind of support that I had. Some still carried the weight of war, which seemed nearly impossible to get past. In that moment, in Kelsey's arms, I made the conscious decision not to let the enemy win. I had to grieve for that person in the picture, or I couldn't move forward. I thought, okay, I am no longer that Travis. That's the old Travis. The whiteboard has been erased. I have a pen in my hand, and I can totally start anew. I began to see life as two choices. You move forward or backward. What I wanted in my life was in front of me, not the one in that photo anymore. Though the man in that photo was gone, to me the choice was clear. Damn if I don't hate that I will never feel the skin of my wife's hand in mine or throw my son in the air to catch him, but there was only one direction to go, and that was forward. You know what, what what struck me about that is 
I mean, you have such a clear, distinct moment where you talk about that. Mm-hmm. But like, that's that's where we're all at. Like everyone, we're all at this point where we we j- you have to go forward. You can't wish for what was and what could have been and woulda shoulda coulda. That stuff doesn't help and doesn't move you anywhere. Mm-hmm. You had that like distinct moment. Um, boom. You know, and and, and my thing is. I'm always a guy telling jokes, making people feel comfortable. I'm always having a good, you know, good laugh. And at the hospital, um, I became a mentor, right? I was an older guy. At 25, I was an old guy that got injured. I was a staff sergeant in a lot of privates. And, you know, when I was in the service, I had a clear, this is my job, this is my role, people look up to me. Um, When I got injured, this is my job, my role, people look up to me. I wanted to retire. I fought to retire. I wanted to get out of there as quick as possible, you know, within the means of, like, I can do everything that I need to be able to do or required to do, but it's time to move on. And then I did, and I got home, and that picture was up there. And I never, I, I mean, this is, honestly, this is the first time I've talked about it. Like this book coming out is the mm-hmm. first time I've talked about this moment because I never showed that side of me. I don't know why. You know, everybody think like, oh, it's okay, whatever. But but no, Kelsey walked in, and I was just, just tears just down my face. And I was like, I'm just not that guy. I'm no longer Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, leader of combat soldiers. You know, best job I ever had. And, um... And I just didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I I, I wanted to retire. Um, the military, good, bad, or different people here on the news or in, in all the stuff with the VA, like I, I have a very, very, you know, well um, taken care of, like, plan of care and, and I have a pension and things like that. So, like, I'm, I'm good and I appreciate that. But just I was lost. I was lost um, completely and I didn't know what I was going to do. And And, you know, luckily, I mean, I had some sort of, foundation of okay well we started the foundation we have speaking that's starting to pick up for me and my documentary was being done by Reese and Katie Norris and Reese was there helping me along as well as my father-in-law who works with me every day and we lived in my in-laws because our house in Maine wasn't built yet but but yeah I um I play it off as you know we joke we have fun but when you think back I'm like you know even taking a step further like I'm always like oh yeah 19 months I recovered at Walter Reed and then I was like oh it's like that's 19 months there were some days that were terrible, you know. The first day I walked was great. Second day I tried to walk, I couldn't. I fell over. My legs cramped up. I was My muscles spasmed, and I couldn't move. And I felt so defeated that day. And then, you know, after 19 months of being at Walter Reed, and then you forget. So, and I'm not sure if you guys have that in your life where you forget the tough times. Oh, yeah. It, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that was terrible. But it's like I can remember just sitting at the end of the bed saying, like, who am I and what am I doing, mm-hmm. you know. And – and this is, I mean, maybe on top, maybe not. I had a lady that came up to house sit across the lake from us at the foundation. And her friend was like, hey, you know what? By the way, you're a traveling nurse, but you should know there's a guy over here who's in the service. He lost both arms and legs, and he he's made something out of it. And she goes, "What? Who, who's this guy? And this nurse was very excited, like very like over the top, like, who is this? And she goes, his name's Travis Mills, but here's a picture of him. And she recognized the diamonds on my arm. She worked on me in Afghanistan. Dang. And now she has moved up. She's a volunteer. And I've had her speak a few times, you know, for the foundation. And she's admitted openly. She's embarrassed about it. But she admitted openly when she was working on me on the table, she was in her head saying, like, why don't we let him die? He can die with some dignity. And it's the same thought I had when I woke up in the hospital. It's like, <laughs> you know, this is my Lieutenant Dan, right? My moment. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I just die? How is this going to be better? But then... I got out of the hospital. I met every requirement they put in front of me to retire. 
and it's time to go on with my life. Okay, you're out. Go forth and do some you know good stuff. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a hard realization of like, okay, I've done everything the military needs of me. Now what? Now what? You know? Yeah, and it's interesting. I was just thinking about. Uh, by chance, this part of the book is in the forward of the book. It's not chapter one. It's in the forward, and it's like the lesson is: you have to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. You you have to be like thinking about where am I going to go now? And you know, I'm always talking to guys that are getting out of the military, and you got to find your next mission, mm-hmm. right? And so this is a classic case because when you're in Walter Reed, you have a mission. It's like, oh, I'm going to freaking learn to walk. I'm going to get on my big legs. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you got a had a mission every single day. You're trying to get something done, and then all of a sudden, you did it all. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you're out, you're retired, out of the military. What are you going to do now? You know, Who and, are you going to become? I, I relied on my military training because when I was becoming an NCO, they said, what's the job of an NCO, non-commissioned officer? And it's to provide purpose and direction. And I forgot that, right? Somewhere along the way, I forgot that I need to have my own purpose and direction. And then slowly but surely, after I got out and retired, was at my in-laws' house for the three months, then been to Michigan for three months, um, just trying to escape the hot of summer. <laughs> you know, and then moved up to Maine to our house, I had to find my purpose and my direction I was going to go. And, um, and I mean, luckily, luckily I, I, you know, was able to, you know, kind of rely on a lot of my military training for that stuff, just like the mindset stuff they teach you and, and things like that. Get some. <laughs> All right. Um, th- now we're going to roll into these principles a little mm-hmm. bit. And again, get, there's this book is, I'm going to read like a few little tiny sections of the book. The book has got all kinds of, like you said, there's a lot of stories in here that you've, people that you've met, people that have overcome things similar to yours, and you kind of, you align and explain what they did to get through something, how you did that thing to get through it, and then you've got this sort of, uh, what is the academic side explaining why that's happening. So it's an outstanding book to explain these principles, give multiple examples, and then and then tell why it's happening. So it's an awesome book, did a great job. Uh, the, the, the woman that helped you did a really good job. Oh yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the research authors, they are very thorough. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I literally hired a PR firm for like, oh yeah, I'm having a book, I'm gonna hire a PR firm mm-hmm. with some of the advanced or whatever. And then year two hit and I was like, what? I thought it was going to take six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first book took like five months, I think, mm-hmm. and we had it done. Yeah, she had to research some stuff. Oh, yeah. But it, it pays off. In the oh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. I was surprised that. Yeah, but, she's going to be thorough. Yeah. Yeah, check. I wish I would have been. I would have, like, checked the ground a little better. <laughs> not just been like, man, this bag's heavy. Screw this. <laughs> you know, pop it down. All right. Principle number one, that dog don't hunt. Stop torturing yourself and stop asking why. And you go into a story here, you got a, a buddy named David Vibora. Is that mm-hmm. I saying that right? Mm-hmm. And he's got a thing called the Adaptive Training Foundation in Dallas, Texas. And you went there uh, and you were kind of hanging out. It wasn't, I don't think it was, you went, did some training sessions, but you, you end up crashing a barbecue. There's like 20 guys that are going through this, this week-long workshop. And you're sitting around, uh, you know, having some burgers and some beers, and then the conversation starts to get a little bit heavy, and you go into this section here. It says, one guy named Bruce, who'd been injured in a car accident and paralyzed from the waist down, spoke up. Quote, I just have to keep going, because if I slow down, I'll just end up crying. The worst part of it all is that I don't understand why, why it happened, why it happened to me. Joe, the head counselor, replied, let's dig into that. Oh, no, we won't, I thought. No, 
No, you don't, I said, this time aloud, my outburst surprising the group. I surprised myself too. I meant to be lying back, just enjoying the bonfire. The counselor shot me a look and asked, what are you talking about? There's no, there's no digging into why because you're never gonna get the answer you want. What do you mean? I get it. Bruce wants to understand why this was meant for him. At first, I did too. But the truth is, that dog don't hunt. What I mean by that is, you're never going to get that answer. So why harp on it? You're only slowing yourself down from accepting something you can't change and moving on. As I live and breathe, I will never know the answer to why I had stood in that exact spot where there was an IED buried in the ground waiting for me. It's a fight you are not going to win ever, so why not make peace with it? And, and you go on to explain, you know, talk more about that, but that, that principle right there, like people will, will tear themselves apart mm-hmm. asking that question over and over again. And there's nothing you can do about it. No, and there's in like, um, and, I, and I, I have admitted this openly, like some nights, you know, like, you know, I'd say once every three, four months, not, uh, not continual. Um, there's nights when it's dark and there's no sleep to be had right then. And your mind starts saying like, I can't believe this the rest of my life. I have no arms and legs. Like what in the hell? Like how, how is this something that I was, you know, supposed to have happened to me or why this happened? And, and you have those, those nights and all I do is get up and go watch sports centers. I'm like, well, this is getting me nowhere. Um, cause you're still going to have some doubt and things like that and, and some wonder, but to sit there every day and to sit there and think, well, why'd this happen? Could it be because of this? Did I do this? Like, was it because of, and you never get the answer. Like nobody's going to tell me why I got blown up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know why I got, I mean, the bomb was here. Right. But I'm saying like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. And anytime I get thinking about it, that's when I'm just like, stop. There's nothing to be had here. Yeah. Just misery, you know? You know what? So I did a podcast a long time ago about uh, Lewis Puller Jr., who was the son of Chesty Puller, the Marine. Lewis Puller Jr. got wounded in Vietnam, lost both of his legs, had his hands jacked up really bad. He lost his legs at, like, the hips. Mm-hmm. Came home, had a really hard recovery, uh, just, you know, got addicted to alcohol, got addicted to painkillers, um, just really had a hard time and he ended up writing this incredible book which is called fortunate son this the book comes out it's gets a pulitzer prize it's just like an incredible book we covered the book on the podcast and then he's participating in helping with the vietnam memorial wall being built and (laughs) judging the design and all this stuff and then that thing gets dedicated and he's kind of straightened his life back out and then he falls out of his wheelchair. He gets hurt. They bring him to the hospital. He had stopped drinking, and they put him on like painkillers again. He goes right down in a spiral. He ends up killing himself. Mm. This is Chesty Puller, Chesty Puller's son, who joined the Marine Corps like his dad, ends up killing himself. I did that podcast, and then like a year later, I had another guy on my podcast, a guy named Jim Searlesley. Jim Searlesley was a... Uh, Guy was in Vietnam. He had volunteered for the army. He didn't get drafted. He joined the army. And when he got his orders after basic and he went to school as a tanker, he gets sent to Germany. Like in the middle of Vietnam War, they sent him to Germany and he's like getting done with his tour. And he says, hey, I I feel like I should go to Vietnam. So he volunteers to go to Vietnam. His sergeant major's like, you need to think about this for the weekend or whatever. 
and he thinks about it over the weekend. It's like, the, look, I'm a soldier. I need to serve. Goes to Vietnam. He's in Vietnam for 11 months. Last month that he's there, he's uh, got his squad out, and they're set checking security, and he's checking their perimeter, and he steps on a landmine, gets blown up, loses both of his legs, loses one arm. He comes on the podcast, and this dude just lived like an awesome life. Like he came home, he came home. He spent nine months in rehab, learning, learning, learning to use his wheelchair, learning how to operate things, learning how to function, and then goes out, gets his real estate license, starts a roofing company, gets married, has kids. Like Hans just lives an awesome life, and you know we go through his whole story and everything, and. We get done with the podcast and we're downstairs. We're here, but we're downstairs talking. And he says, uh, "We're talking." I said, "I said, you know, like, how did you progress like so much?" And he looked at me. He goes, "Have you ever heard of Lewis Puller Jr.?" And I said, yeah, "Yes, sir. You know, Chesty Puller's son." And he said, "I was in rehab with them." So they were both got wounded about the same mm-hmm. time in Vietnam. They were both in rehab together. And he said. I accepted 100% what had happened to me, and I moved on. And he said, Lewis never really accepted it, and it just tore him up for his whole life. And this story that you tell here, like I wish somebody would have been around to tell, like Lewis Polar, like, hey, that dog, that dog don't hunt, man. You ain't gonna get an answer. So it's weird to have the big smile, and I shouldn't have a smile. I have the same kind of story in a way. So there's a gentleman who got both legs taken, one hand kind of like lost to like a top of a finger, you know, nothing. But he lost both legs and he was pretty bitter, right? Angry, kind of like not somebody that the therapist really like hanging out with. And we were out this um, this barbecue one day and I was talking, we were joking and everything. And he's, he told me, you know, you know what, Travis, you're part of the Everything's Great Club. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, everything you, you do, you just act like everything's just so great. And I mean, and I was kind of tired of this guy, to be honest with you. He was always just a whiner. And I looked at him and said, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I act like everything's great because I realized I was given the chance to live through my injuries. I know that I can't go back in time and change them. And being, you know, 25 years old, I hope I have 50 years left. And I'd rather be me than be a miserable SOB and not be able to get over it like you're acting like right now. And you have been all this time that you've been here. And I don't think anybody could have punched this guy harder in the face than those words hit him. Yeah. And... You know, and again, I mean, I normally tell a story a lot like, oh, you know, I told him this. And he was like, oh, that's so amazing. But really, it like hit him because I, I was I was tired of just kind of his attitude. And he was telling me, like, everything's so great. And I'm like, dude, it's not that bad. Like, I get to be here with my daughter. I don't think I'd be the same person that my daughter wasn't there. Um, and just letting him know, like, dude, I have 50 years left. I'm not sure how long you think you have left, but I'm pretty sure I got 50. I make the most of it. And I realize the gift that it was given when a lot of my friends didn't make it back home. And... I can, you know, whatever. And then he, he, I hope, he's doing a lot better. He seems to do a lot better now. And we're not, like, at each other. Like, yeah. he's been to the foundation and stuff like yep. that. It's no big deal, you know. But he, I think maybe he just needed to hear that that day because yeah. he just, he was so bitter. And I'm like, dude. I would venture to say that the Everything Greats Club is better than the Everything Sucks Club. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think 10 out of 10 times having the attitude of, like, oh, I'm actually thankful that I got to come home. Mm-hmm. And not all my friends did. And, yeah, I got to deal with what I got to deal with, but I get to deal with it. Yeah, and I think maybe you probably have a lot of people that you know that, not to put in spot here, but survivor's guilt's huge. And yep. it blows my mind because it's like you can feel bad 
that they are no longer with us. You can be, you know, sitting there and thinking about what the situation was and maybe what you could have done differently, but at the end of the day, you couldn't because this is what happened. And I take it as I'm going to do the best I can every day, not just for my family, not you know, not just for my my, my kids and my wife, um, but I'm going to do it because they didn't make it back home, and they would hopefully live life to the fullest if I would have died over there in my honor as well. I think it's selfish slap in the face if I give up myself because I was given this opportunity. Um, and it really is a privilege to like be given life. I mean, those doctors worked on me for like 14 hours mm-hmm. and they could have loosened up one tourniquet and said they gave blood from their veins right into me. And they did a mass call over the PA system in Kandahar. Anybody with A positive and universal blood run to the doors. And they just, they had to keep giving me tests because they didn't test the blood. They just mm-hmm. needed it. They needed it now. So, but, but anyway, I mean, survivor guilt gets me because I feel bad that people can't get out of their own way and, and accept like it's what happened. But you have the ability now to make the most out of life. It's kind of like the saving private Ryan. Right? Yeah. Yep. Like tell me, you know, I'm a good, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There you go. I'll get off my soapbox here. <laughs> no. All good. Echo, what are you thinking there? No, I'm uh, taking it all in. But yeah, it's it's funny because like all these concepts and you always talk about these concepts on the in these circumstances that are so heavy, you know, mm-hmm. but then when you, they trickle down to like everyday stuff too as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting to get that little remind, oh, huge reminder. That's what I'm thinking at this time. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. There's a book. Like I said, this is like a pragmatic book. This is like a field manual almost of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have consulted me on the name, it might have even been called a field manual, but sure. you didn't. So whatever. I'm Close. the worst. I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst. But some of the stuff that you got in here is like uh, this section here. It says, are you ruminating too much? And you introduced the, the idea of ruminating a little bit earlier in the book. But it says, it says some signs that you may be overthinking what happened. Do you ponder, why did this happen to me and to my family? Do you think, what if I didn't do X, Y, or Z? Would there have been a different outcome? Do you often wonder what life would look like if this hadn't happened? Do you play out the accident or incident in your head repeatedly? Do you feel that what happened was unfair? Do you blame yourself for doing something or not doing something that could have been done to avoid the trauma? So again, these are, these are like pragmatic things to ask yourself. If you find yourself going down this spiral, the what if spiral or the why spiral, you know, the, and that's exactly Jim Sersley, uh, unfortunately Jim Sersley, he, he passed away uh, like a year and a half ago or so. But that was the thing that he said is like, you can't just keep asking like, why, why me, woe is me, why me? And this is the exact same message that you've got in this book. So, um, yeah, if you find yourself. Is that the second time he said I plagiarized? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't plagiarize. Well, Jim Sersley didn't write this, didn't write a book. Um, <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, he, <laughs> Sorry. He, Sorry. He, he definitely, I mean, he clearly had a very similar attitude as you and clearly like made it through with mm. with some similar thoughts along the way so it's pretty it's pretty interesting i didn't really think of that until i i didn't think of it while i was reading the book i didn't think of it till actually right now when we were talking i was like oh yeah this is the same stuff that that jim sersley was saying i um, don't i don't think i put a principle in there called yolo but uh, i'm telling you right now like people wonder why i do so much like i have i, I started a restaurant you know recently yep. and i have uh the marina that i i, I bought just drinking whiskey one night mm-hmm. i thought let's go in debt good decision making yep. yeah why not go in debt and a few other things and people are like, why do you do it? And I'm just like, well, they already said YOLO, obviously. But 
I think I'm not afraid <laughs> to try new things. <laughs> and I've given the chance to lift my injury, so go after it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just, the, the, again, with all those questions and all that, like I don't, you know, I tell people my, with some of my biggest regrets, um, you know, I quit college football. I wasn't going to play college football like that much. Like I should have probably played baseball. Mm-hmm. But I was so good at the position of sideline because I was there all season. In Last Chance You, if that was a documentary, we would have been on it because we actually won the, the championship. Okay. I didn't even get the rings. I'm like, I'm just a, like, a, like a redshirt freshman, so I don't even want the ring. Should have got it. Um, and then I had a Ranger contract. All my buddies were going to go to the 82nd. They're like, hey, let's just go to the 82nd. They're letting us choose. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. So I went to the 82nd. 21 guys went to 1st Brigade to Iraq. Mm-hmm. One guy went to 4th Brigade to Afghanistan. <laughs> so I lost all my basic training buddies. And then just like the gentleman you were talking about that uh, wanted to go overseas, mm-hmm. yeah. my orders took me to Fort Hood. The big army said, hey, you got over two years combat. But I had a newborn baby. That tax-free money at Staff Sergeant ain't a bad thing to have yeah. to plus up my bank account. It was a nine-month hitter. And I was a weapon squad leader. So I'm supposed to be the, 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 uh, theoretically the most protected because I have the two big, you know, 240 Bravos. Uh-huh. I'm in the middle of everything, like in the middle of the, the formation. Um, not that I ever cared about that. I was actually usually getting in trouble for being the first one in the door. But that's because I love to fight. But um, but I, I guess the, the, the point is, like, I don't, I don't have those questions anymore. My big questions are like, my wife gets pissed too. We're having our coffee. I'm like, hey, so what are you thinking we're having for dinner? And she's like, are you, se- dude? That's a, are you serious? That's a hostile question. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing at my house. Uh, I have to like set. I have to be disciplined because when I come home, like, hmm. been podcast, record the podcast, we get done, we train jujitsu, uh, get done jujitsu. It's now like six o'clock at night. I didn't eat lunch, so I've been like fasting all day. Come home, yeah. And bro, there's what? There's literally one thing in the world I want to know. And that's what's for dinner. You know what I mean? But if I come through that door and I don't talk about four other things, Mm -hmm. four other things before, and sometimes now I just investigate, bro. I'll be like, look in the oven, see if there's something in there. What is it? Can it be PID'd? You know, because that what's for dinner, man. That, does this what you echo? You're nodding your head. Um, I can see how that could be for sure. But it doesn't, no issue. I have learned that. This is just Sequence total avoidance. Long time ago, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, oh geez, I, 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 I we we'll sit there have our coffee in the morning. She's just getting in the room, and I'm like, "Hey, what do you want? What do you want to do for dinner? You think? You know?" And she's like, "Are you are you serious right now?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I'll go to the grocery store if you need, or we can go to the restaurant. It don't matter." <laughs> but that's yeah, that's that's not a question you should ask. <laughs> Be careful, especially at seven thirty in the morning having coffee. <laughs> Dude, only dudes think about like what's for dinner at seven thirty in the morning, right? Mm. Am I right? Uh, Mostly dudes. Well, my yeah, wife, she's going to New Zealand, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to start just using the crock pot, I think. Do you not have Uber Eats where you are? Well, I mean, it's, we do. But it's like, oh. I mean, I can just go down. I'll be honest with you. I just go to the restaurant. Oh, yeah, you right? got your own restaurant. <laughs> yeah, <I just> go <laughs> down there. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but but I'm telling you, I love the crock pot. I, I'm so fired up because at the, the grocery store, they already cut up all the onions and the peppers mm. and the tomatoes, like everything Here's I need. the thing with the crock pot just for me. toss it in there. It, it, when you eat, get it, do the crock pot thing, to me, everything kind of tastes the same. The meat tastes the same. The Everything tastes the same in that big bucket, right? Well, that's That's... Spices, you got to add spices and different okay. meat. You can't just My say wife's meat every from time. England, so okay. Like she, some things like spices are a little bit unfamiliar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna burn for that. Yeah, one, yeah. Boy. That's getting edited out. Echo, edit yeah. that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, principle number two. <clears throat> yep. Unpack that rucksack. 
process what happened so you can grow from it. While when, when I tell people to stop asking why something bad happened, I don't mean shut the door on everything. You still need to process your experience and make sense of it. There's a difference between rumination and reflection as well as merely overthinking and understanding. So this is again, I was as soon as I got, you know, opened this one up, I was like, "Oh, what does he mean by that?" cuz he just said don't ask too many questions and now he's saying unpack it. So uh, right out of the gate, you made a uh, reference. Is something that I say is like when people deal with loss, I tell them remember but don't dwell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey man, you want to remember your friends, but you don't want to dwell on it, and that's all you think about. And it's a similar message that you put in in this chapter here about unpacking the rucksack. Like you want to unpack the rucksack and make sure you comprehend what you went through, but you don't want to just like keep repacking it and unpacking it, repacking it and unpacking it type thing. Yeah, and what I do is actually I tell people when I get off stage, I got two life lessons I live by, right? The first one is is this one. Don't dwell on the past, just reminisce it. I mean, I used to you know, wake up in the hospital bed, hope, wish, and pray this never happened, close my eyes, say, this is, nightmare is going to be over. I'm going to wake up right now. And I never did wake up from that nightmare. Every time I opened my eyes, I was in the hospital bed. And I realized early on, stop dwelling on it, just reminisce. I had 25 years of arms and legs. You know, 25 amazing years with arms and legs, and and then I I didn't have any more. But I don't dwell on the fact I got blown up. I just like you said, remember, right? I, I mm-hmm. again, um, that's basically you know, that's just what I do. Like I'm like, hey, I played college football. I joined the military. I jumped out of airplanes and got paid to do it. You know, like um, led some of the greatest guys overseas and had some of the most fun I'm ever gonna you know ever had. But just because I got blown up doesn't mean my life was over. I just remember what I used to have, and and I you know this has been now over 11 years mm-hmm. being injured. And I've had pretty incredible things happen since then too, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I uh, mean like being your, your guys' friend. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, you mean Echo's friend? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you wanna grab my self-esteem? I can't seem to reach it down there. Uh, going a little short over here, but it's okay. That's really fine. They can just stay down there, that's cool. Uh, little section in here, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Again, I'm fast forwarding through like most of the book, obviously. I'm not going to do the audio book. Did you do the audio book? I uh, did not this time. You had an actor do it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I would. I don't want to bother. I told you. I don't like. Look, I like being your friend. You there's, there's something. Uh, some people have a hard time reading stuff. Did you do the audio book for this one? I did. Did it's, you not like doing it? It sucked. <laughs> I was in, so you know, so I, 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 I don't remember if I explained this on the last podcast, um, but my body overheats. Mm-hmm. I get hot. So they stuck you in one of those booths to read this thing? Yeah. AC had to get turned off so you don't hear the thing. I had to read a book three days in a row. Yeah. And they actually, after I was getting decent, they were like, okay, well, we got to read the first third of the book again. And I was like, Oof. awesome. Let's just, let's just knock this out. <laughs> and you know how you write something and you think like, okay, I wrote it. I know I wrote it. I was there when it was written. So I should be able to read it. And then you're putting like, instead of we are, it's like, yeah, so we're. And they're like, nope, that's not how it says it. And I'm like, yeah, let me try again. Uh, so we, ah, uh, son of a. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of blooper outtakes where some, some words came out. It's not, an e- it's, not an e- yeah. it's not an easy thing to do for some people. Like for me, it's honestly, it's easy for me to read stuff. I don't know why. Uh, but like I've seen people that are the most conversational, just really good to go. And you put them to read something. You hand them like, hey, read this right now. And it's just like lock, brain lock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do okay with it. Like, I can do the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, and I, could, I could have done it, but I just think that time-wise, um, 
it didn't make sense. And they, they, they gave me like five voiceover people that I had to choose from. So I, we picked the one that mm-hmm. I think was the most interesting. I mean, I look, I've already said I appreciate just being your friend. So like, <laughs> I don't want to just be like, hey, can you do me another favor? You know, that time I got blown up and you feel bad for me. So <laughs> no. So like, I would have bothered you, but next time bother me, I'll read it. Absolutely. I got to write another book. I got to figure out what other thing I can see what's successful out there. Well, you know, Jordan Peterson did 12 more rules, so you can do 12 more warrior principles. I might do I might do 11 <laughs> or 13. You know, maybe just go one up or one down. Jack. And then I'm just going to do like seven minute you know, abs, six minute abs. Yeah. Like reca- yeah. Oh, I'm all about the eight minute abs. You know what I'm saying? People don't realize like this, this physique. This core is strong. I'll tell you right now. It is strong. It's all I know I that do. from rolling with you because you, you, yeah, that's like your main body but group. I was surprised that the FX cameras that you guys use for for Origin and everything for the the camp, they record in slow motion. Because I mean, I was moving so much faster than those videos on Instagram that were posted. Look, I mean, I don't know. I was, I was going a mile a minute, but I was Dude. like, man, those those cameras slow the frame down for it, sure. It is a little bit weird, like how fast you move, like on the mat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a weird, like kind of alien sensation. Did you get that? Uh, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff you're not used to. Yeah, so, oh, with, yeah, with me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a weird. And I, I can make like a weird growl sound too. Like, yeah, and then that really gets them. Yeah. It is yeah. a weird thing to like when you start moving fast. It definitely, it, like you said, I guess it's because you're not used to it. Yeah. So you're not used to seeing like a body move in this really fast way. It's kind of it's kind of a freak kind of freaked me out a little bit. Well, at first. and and like uh, with the deco, he was saying, and his birthday just hit, so happy birthday to him. But um, he was saying he was trying to reach for my wrist, and he just oh, kept yeah. coming up yeah. short of my yeah. wrist because yeah. that's not there. It's real. That's yeah, real. yeah. I saw when I was watching him roll with you, I could see his like arm moving to grab yeah. or like yeah. to underhook your arm, and it's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely it takes some adjustments yeah. for the other guy yeah. as well. Uh, going back to the book here. That's right. Yeah talk it through there are all, there is a lot of benefits that comes with sharing your struggles with another human the biggest being you find out you're not alone when something bad happens to us we tend to feel that we are the only ones dealing with it and if you focus on the traumatic event itself then yes of course you are alone as you literally as you as you were literally the only person experiencing that very event however if you change your perspective and focus on what comes with experience what you find is that everyone has experienced similar effects to some degree. When you share our feelings, you discover that you aren't really alone. That realization alone can lift a tremendous weight off your shoulders. Dude, it's like everybody's been through mm-hmm. some well, so I, trauma. I, I got two stories for this. The first one, you know, like, uh, is it Goodwill Hunting where he just has mm-hmm. to sit with a therapist and he won't talk yeah, to him? Yeah. And doesn't, he finally breaks him? Yeah. Well, they had a social worker named Christy that they made everybody talk. You know, you had to go to see her for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I went there and talked to her. And we talked about football. She was a Green Bay Packers fan. I'm a Lions fan. You know, whatever. Clay Matthews' hair. And then she'd ask me a personal question. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> and then we get talking about other stuff. And then we did it again. And I sat there for the hours. Like, all right, well, time's up. I got to go. Came back next time, about 20 minutes in. I said, I'll be honest with you. We're never going to discuss anything, anything of real substance. I said, I didn't talk to mental health when they came into my room. And I literally gave the name, I, I, I gave her my name, rank, and social. Like mental health came in the first time I was sleeping. <laughs> second Geneva time. Geneva Convention yeah, only. Yeah, so second time they came in, I was like, Kelsey goes, mental health's here to talk to you. I was still in the hospital, you know. I just shut my eyes and tried to go to sleep in. Third time, eating a bowl of cereal with a makeshift arm, like, like duct taped, like with a spoon. Mm-hmm. And I'm eating, and I see her come in. And I know who she is. I saw her last time. And I said, oh, 
you know, oh, shit. I don't know if I can swear. Now you can bleep it or whatever. And that's exactly what I said. And I fell back into my bed. Like, from sitting up, fell right back. And I shut my eyes and pretended like I was snoring. And she walks through, what are you doing? And I gave her name, rank, and social. And she said, what? And I did it again. And she goes, I don't understand. So that's where we tell the enemy if they capture you. I said, take it. I said, take it and leave or just leave. I don't care. Like, we're not, we're not going to do this. So that was my first time. And then I had a social worker as I got to outpatient. And the second time I went there for 20 minutes, I said, look, never going to happen. I said, this isn't the movies. I got nothing to say to you. I appreciate what you do for people that need it. I don't need it. And that was it. And I got thinking about that. And I tell people, probably not the right approach and blah, 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 blah. So wait, did she never get anything out of you? She released me. No, she never was going to. We were not going to be on that Damn. level. But I got thinking so about it. So she didn't go full Robin Williams Goodwill hunting and like get you crying or anything? No. What can she do? <laughs> I mean, she was a nice person. I said, I appreciate what you're trying to do. Yeah. But, but what I'm I realized, just an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Or, or other side, I realized I had a community of my own. And I had Taylor Morris, who's a quadruple amputee. I had Drew Moley, single leg amputee. And I had Bo Reichenbach, Navy SEAL, right? Double leg amputee. Mm-hmm. As well as Josh Wetzel and Andrew Smith, both double leg amputees. And not just them, their spouses. And we were all the best of friends. We all dealt with everything together. We hung out every day. And our kids hung out, you know, those of us that had kids at the time. And and I realized in that, you know, looking back, because, yeah, you're right. That was, I was probably a jerk because I didn't want to talk about my feelings with her. I wasn't mean to her by any means. I was never yeah. rude. I, you know, I wasn't – she would never later – like, if you asked her today, she wouldn't say I was a, a jerk or anything mm-hmm. like that. I was just very like, hey, look, this is not the movies. This is not going to happen. <laughs> but I got thinking about it, and I realized I had my community. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just my community. It was me and Kelsey's community. Kelsey still is on a text chain with all the wives. They talk every day. The one lady, Jen, just had twins, that kid number four and five. But her husband's only missing one leg, so it's like a paper cut. So they, they're fine. <laughs> but, um, but I had my community to talk to every day and hang out with and go out to dinners. And, and, and we always ate you know, together and go around talking and things like that. And then take a step further, my alive day. I always hated my alive day. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. Maybe people out there listening don't. But um, when the day you get injured, like car accident real bad, or like me got blown up, or whatever, that you almost died, that you live, they call it your alive day. They want to celebrate it. Some guys drink heavily. Some guys enjoy it. Other guys don't pay much attention. For the years, I hated it. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. My birthday's in four days. You know, I'm fine. I'll wait for the actual day I was alive. But then by year eight, I think it was, I did an Instagram live, and I, I got talking, and I teared up. I said, you know, at the end of it, I used to be pissed. I used to hate this. I used to think... This is the worst day ever. Why would I want to remember any of this? You know, instead of just, you know, move on. And I said, but then you realize how fortunate I am. And I look back at the years I've had to recover, to have my family, to have, have my friends, and to be here to watch my daughter grow, to be here um, and have my son, which would have never happened if I would have just died. I said, so at the end of it, for the Alive Day, I'm just more grateful than anything. And then Taylor, the, you know, he's not the quad. He's very dry, very quiet. And Navy EOD guy, great guy. He texts me, he goes, nailed it. You know, and that meant a lot that he said it because he doesn't. We don't talk feelings. Mm-hmm. And, then, and the thing is with my community, we didn't talk about feelings in general. Like, oh, those sucks. I got blown up. And it was like, it's just like understood like we all thought it sucked. <laughs> you know, so we were all just like. Ba- baseline level <laughs> yeah, suck. We've all been there. Um, and that was like my community. So I, I, that's, that's the important thing. Well, you find a lot of guys that won't engage with somebody that's not military mm-hmm. or don't they're like they're not gonna understand me so i'm not gonna talk to them and that's why the foundation the travis mills foundation shameless plug for my foundation here um we have the path program the warrior path program for first responders and combat veterans because it's led train the trainer style non-clinical and it's one of the top in the nation it teaches people how to struggle well because we're all going to struggle 
and about post-traumatic growth. You know, how to, how to understand what's going on and, and to fight through and to, to come out the other side better when you have an episode or when you feel that stuff. I, and, and I'm way off topic probably. No, no, no. All but, good. Uh, that's, that's what we're here for. But I think, you know, with the community, I had, I had a solid community. Uh, some of the greatest friends I'm ever going to have, you know. And I get to see, actually, uh, Danielle we picked up today on the way here. Um, Taylor couldn't come. I saw him from the plane. Um, we talked a little bit through the door. And then uh, um, Andrew and Tori are coming with their kids as well. So pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, fast forward a little bit. You just, again, I'm not going to read the whole book, but it says focus on what's in your control and what's not in your control. Let's use what is in our control to grow from. This is something I always have to refer back to. Always have to refer back to like, hey, you got some things you can control in life and you got some things you can't. Usually we can control more than we think we can, but there are absolutely are things that are gonna be totally out of your control. Yeah, like the five today, trying to drive down there. Oh yeah, and five, I'm, the, and I'm you have no late. control over the five. I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm letting them down. I'm an hour late. And I was, <laughs> but my driver was so sweet to take me because the car service, I screwed it up somehow. So like, Uber down from whatever. Was Sorry. it an Uber you took down here? It was. Good times. I gave the guy a big tip. Like I was like, dude, I'll t-. like I gave him as much as like I tried to do a hundred, and like you can't do a hundred. You can only do ninety eight. I'm like ninety eight. It is. Check. <laughs> you can't do more than a hundred. Said I said I couldn't. Huh. Maxing that thing out. Uh, principle three: point the finger and three fingers point back at you. Don't blame others, but be compassionate to yourself. You go in here, you talk about your program director, director James. Is that at the foundation? It is. He's a Marine that runs the PATH program. Marine Corps, 2009 to 2013. He was like one of the guys working on IEDs, finding IEDs. He, he got, you know, explosions, got some blast damage along the way. And I'm fast forward a little bit. You say he came back from his second deployment. And he says, I was super angry. I woke up pissed at the world, and that's just the way I stayed 24-7. I don't know why. I didn't know why. I just knew that I was pissed. I was getting violent at work with junior Marines and verbal fits at home that just kept escalating. This, among other things, ultimately led to divorce. I left the Marine Corps in April 2013, but at that point, I'd been diagnosed with PTSD, TBI, and a bunch of other crap and was forced to seek treatment. Doctors put me on a zombie cocktail of medication. Eventually, it came to a total of 17 different meds, some for depression, some for anxiety, some for TBI-related headaches, and a bunch of other pills to counter the side effects of the medication. I mean, this is just like kind of one of those horror stories you hear, Mm -hmm. just getting medicated. Uh, He ends up start drinking. He starts feeling out of control. Um, no matter how mad I was, he was, I wasn't myself. Uh, I project anger on someone else. I think, who am I going to blame today? Because it can't be me. And you say that right there is a victim mentality. He ends up like suicidal. Um, and again, this is a long story that you tell in the book. Um, but then you say the biggest aha moment when was was when James realized he was accountable for himself. And this is one of the best definitions of extreme ownership I've ever heard. If I don't change my diaper, then I'm going to have shitty pants. That's on me. I stopped looking outward to blame and started to look inward. Change that diaper. <laughs> and you know the fun, the thing is not funny, but the thing is with James he actually he's our coordinator right mm-hmm. for path like he's like a big wig like and uh, there's like 10 locations around the nation for path program and um 
we, we, our numbers are, are very well where they use us for a lot of examples. Mm-hmm. And I mean, where James was at, I think he tells a story. That, does he tell a story about throwing a turkey? Um, he was at work at a grocery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like he threw yeah. a turkey. Threw a turkey. At yep. a customer. Yep, at a customer. Yep. him off. He tells that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, you could see he's come a long way. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, yes, he has. Great guy. Um, I mean, truly just a great guy. But he's getting remarried, and they just you know moved into another a new house. They just built a brand new house. Um, but he's, he's that community that we're talking about, too. Like, he's the one that leads this program for people that – face this every day yeah. so he's been there lived it done it and he still works on himself every day you know it's a constant it's constantly a recalibration mm-hmm. in a in a in a, a focus or refocus the the contrast that you talk about in the book and this is really important i've i've talked about this as well because this is clearly this is this uh same principles extreme ownership you know this is like you point one finger at someone else there's three pointing back you it's the same thing and then you talk about forgiveness this is again something that i address and you say this, essentially everyone has regrets for things they did or didn't do, but you can't get hung up on these regrets or you will never get peace. Repeat after me, I am human and I make mistakes. Show yourself some grace, accept the mistakes and learn from them. Instead of dwelling and letting them hold you back, use them to propel yourself forward in a new direction. Life is trial and error. There's no handbook on how to live your life. Every time that you feel you may be beating yourself up, stop, reflect on the situation and ask yourself, what can I learn from this situation and how can I do better? And the big thing when I talk about forgiving yourself, uh, if you think about like your relationship with your wife mm-hmm. or your kids or whatever, if you don't learn how to forgive, like when they mess something up, it's never gonna work. So if you can't forgive yourself for some mistake that you made in the past, you're gonna have problems for a long time. So you gotta learn to get over it. Yeah, I mean that's what I, I do. Like my son, he'll he'll do something stupid, you know, obviously. <laughs> and I'm like, look, you little six year old, you little turd. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, you know, it's hereditary. I, I kind of I blame myself, right? I gotta take the extreme ownership. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a mama's boy, and I, so am I. But I hate it. Oh, uh-huh. but my daughter and me are best friends. Well, he's only six, right? Yeah, he, yeah. They they're he's gonna be that way for a bit. I know, but here's the thing: we went to I took him to a birthday party to his mm-hmm. cousin's house, and he had to pick up like. The Nerf gun we brought his cousin. He picks it up. It's a big box. Hits himself in the neck. He's like, oh, oh, it hurts. And I'm like, it doesn't hurt. It's probably unpleasant. For a second, you're fine. He goes, you're just mean. You're a mean dad. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're soft. And then we had a whole conversation. He's like, you want, is this how you want your friends to talk to you if you hurt yourself? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I do. He's like, you're just mean dad. I said, get in the car. And then, you know, later on, he was fine. But... But I'm like, I also, my daughter like hit her head at school in kindergarten and had a huge goose egg on her, mm-hmm. on her head. No factor. Yeah. She went out, like school calls, oh my, she hit her head, we probably should come get her. I came to get her. We're going out in the parking lot. She's dancing and twirling. I said, do you feel fine? She goes, yeah. All right. So I take her back in school. I said, look, I know how it looks, right? I was in an explosion. <laughs> I'm probably like a hard ass. Like my kid's fine. I went through a bomb. What was this? I said, but she's fine. If she passes out or something, give us a call. But she's going back to class. Yeah. <laughs> and when my son, he had a thing at school where he. I don't know, he got sick or something, and he just wanted to get out of school, I feel like. Yeah. And my wife got the phone call, and she called me, and she beat me there for five minutes. And she let him get out of school. He comes mm-hmm. home, he's dancing and jumping up the stairs, <laughs> fired up, going to turn on this and play this and whatever. And I said, you know what, Kelsey, if I would have got there, I would have told him, Dax, you can come home, no problem. You're going to sit in my Yukon while I go to all my meetings today at all the different various places I got to stop, and you're not getting my phone, you're not watching a movie, you're going to sit there because you don't feel good. You can go out to class, play with your friends, or you can come home with me. Mm-hmm. He would have took option one. 
she's mm-hmm. she's making them soft, John. Here's some <laughs> here's some advice uh, that I've given to like a lot of my friends that have kids. I'm giving it to Leif. Leif's super fired up for this, and he takes advantage of it. Every chance you get to pull your kids out of school and go do something cool, do it. Oh no, we're. We're in California until Tuesday. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. She's going yeah. to New Zealand for yeah. 16 There you days. go. That's what I like to hear, man. <laughs> yeah. The kids will never remember like some day at school where they learned about whatever. Yeah. But you go do something cool with your kids, take them to work, to let them hang out, go to wherever, like take them fishing, whatever you're going to do with them. Yeah. It's going to be a thousand times better and they're going to learn more. I just don't want them to go to the nurse's office. That's what yeah. I was mad about. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. No, you're fine. That's, that's, you're that's, that's a different thing. That's, that's also like the kids are learning to manipulate. Right, they're learning to work the system. They're human beings that are learning to f- navigate through the the, mm-hmm. sh- the the shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, if I go here, I can come home. I can watch TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah. dance around or whatever you're saying he was doing. So <laughs> up the stairs, just like going upstairs, petting the dog, like mm-hmm. having this good old time. Yeah, five minutes after I got home. Good, smart kid, right? Kind of. No, you don't feel good. It's like, yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't feel good. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. Kids are crafty. But oh. no, we yeah we uh. My parents were like, every day, you're at school, that's it. I'm yeah. like, I think, I think I'm dying. You know, <laughs> you're fine. I broke my, I was uh, out in the woods with my dad, and we were cutting down wood for the fire, and the, the tree fell on my leg because I was an idiot. And, and so I was like, I think I hurt my leg. And my dad was like, you're fine. Tow the sled back. So we had like a sled filled with wood, mm-hmm. and so I had to like drag it back. And I was crawling kind of like with my hands and one leg because my leg really hurt a lot. And, you know, I get back and like three days later, they took me to the hospital because I was still hopping around and yeah, I had a broken leg. <laughs> yeah. You know, our parents were tough. My dad, I broke my wrist. Uh-huh. He's like, you're fine. He smacks it and like, boom. He goes, what will I, what will I, what will I, I think, he goes, you know what? I think we're going to go check that out. But he had to like make sure by yeah. just like, I was holding my, my, my left arm. I was like, no, I think it's broke. He's like, you're fine. You're Smacks fine. it. <laughs> Boop. He's like, yeah, we're going <clears> to <throat> check that out. Uh, <clears throat> yep. Yeah. When they clear their throat like that, you know, <laughs> you know, if something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, principle four, snap your fingers, wiggle your toes and get the f- out of bed. Create small, achievable goals for moving forward. When dealing with trauma, there may be days, weeks that you don't feel like doing anything. You may feel so depressed and deflated that you may feel too paralyzed to do anything. My friend, that is called collateral damage, to which I say, snap your fingers and wiggle your toes. I can't do that for obvious reasons, but chances are that you can. The idea behind it is simple. Do one small thing to get you moving. That one small thing will get you motivated to go on to the next thing. The simple act of getting out of bed and getting out of bed will curtail whatever you got spinning in that mind of yours. The mere physicality of these actions should spur a mental shift as well. Once you stop being physically and mentally stuck, this is when you can start to take responsibility for your behavior. Choose to see something in your life that you can find a positive in every single day. Snap your fingers, wiggle your toes, get out of bed. It's a simple act that can remind you that life isn't that bad. Now, oh, we, yeah. now we did we did take from the idea of make your bed. Yeah. But it was like, you know, making your bed, like setting goals, maybe you just gotta get out of bed first. So like yeah. we didn't. You know, you made, wasn't you made Admiral McRaven, you know, you made him look bad here. You're no. like, oh, hey, hey, Admiral. Hey, Admiral, oh, you're just making your bed. What if you can't even get out of bed? Well. You went one step deeper. We just wanted to include everybody. Okay. It's very inclusive here. I'm just saying, it seems, sounds inclusive. like you're trying to one-up him. 
I can't even snap my fingers and wiggle my toes. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> uh, uh, Sorry. You got, you continue, like I said, this is really a pragmatic manual. You got a whole section on keeping, you section on goals and creating goals. And then uh, once you have a goal, you'll need some tips on to keep you going. You got things in here like be flexible, be kind to yourself, don't judge, be patient, visualize achieving your goal, have a support system. And you got expansions on all these. I'm just kind of burning through them. Yeah, Celebrate let me, let me the ask wins. You a question though. So like, right? Look, I, I'm not silly. Like I, I'm fortunate to know you outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, do you visualize all the success that you were like? You reach out to Pete. Hey, Pete, I like your geese. You want to do something? Mm-hmm. And you're like, then now look at like all the drinks and all. Like I'm drinking Life Strength just because I like the flavor. Mm-hmm. But like, did you visualize? Do you do that? Like all the success. I mean, I'm sure people know. Obviously, Chaco products are successful, and then Origin and everything like that. Yeah, uh, n- no, I-, I would say this. So, like when I try and make something, mm-hmm. I don't over invest or over index or think it's going to be successful. I just try it. Like the first thing, like Echelon Front, like Leif and I weren't like, "Yo, like we got to build a giant consulting company." Like we were like, hey, let's see if anybody wants this information. Mm-hmm. And then as they wanted the information, it was like, oh, cool. People want this information. They need to learn how to lead. Okay, cool. How many people? Okay, well, let's hire another instructor. JP, come on board. By like, the way, it does a fantastic job. Well, thank I've, you. I've been able to sit through a couple of his. Yeah. He was in my restaurant. Oh, he, JP? He spoke for a big energy company that gives a lot of money to the foundation. Yeah. And I walked in. I was like, Joe, are you serious? Like, I'm a speaker too, you know. <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Joe Parrington. He actually... Um, he got to do a lot with you when he was in New Hampshire. Yeah, JP's phenomenal. Yeah. So JP came on. Then Dave Burke. Like, we just expanded and expanded and expanded. Uh, same thing with, you know, Origin. Like, mm. we were making geese. Okay. That's like one product. How were they doing? They were doing good. Well, let's make rash guards. No gear. Okay, cool. Eventually, it's like, hey, don't a lot of people wear jeans? Because it seems like everyone wears jeans. Let's try making jeans. Did we buy a jean factory immediately? No. We took a few years. Then we bought a jean factory. But... So, so for me, I don't like visualize blindly like this is going to be great. I'm going to take a huge step in this direction. Same thing with the, all those supplements. It wasn't like we didn't come out with a line of supplements. We came out with two supplements, mm-hmm. right? And then did, did people like them? Are, we, are they effective? Do they give people the, the benefits that we are saying? Like, yep. Look at the up growing, people more people want them. Then we bring out another supplement, then we bring out protein. So, doing it in a small way so that you don't have to be able to see really far in the future to visualize. For me, I'm just looking like, oh, there's an opportunity, let's give it a shot type thing. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I'm just like, I visualize like, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be awesome, let's go big. And my business partner, Bill, is always like, hey, let's just start small. And I'm like, no, nah, mm-hmm. no, nah. I wanted to build this 200 person event center with a brewery underneath and it. In um, a tasting room, and it was gonna be like one point six million dollar project, and mm-hmm. and then like one of the guys that's one of the partners is like, oh, it's kind of big, blah blah blah. So now we're putting in a little four bay garage, and like about the vibes. I don't care about the vibes. Dogfish Head Brewing sold for one hundred eighty million dollars. That's where I'm going, mm-hmm. straight to the top. Yeah, but we're gonna slow it down. A bit. Have you had any? Have you had any big failures yet? Oh yeah, yeah, I got one right now. What was your biggest failure? Um, I went okay. Well, my arms and legs, I lost those. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't lose my ass on it. 
your biggest failure was looking for IEDs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I found that. <laughs> okay, I did, yeah. Yeah. big success there. <laughs> no, um, I wouldn't say failure. There's a, the closing line I'm trying to do right now is not. Uh-huh. I'm not putting much time and effort into it. Have you? How much have you invested in it? Like, like a huge amount, a I medium mean, amount? I'm not sure what a huge amount is. For me, it's a huge amount. It's like hundred thousand. Okay, and uh, I'm not too like. You know, I don't work on it hard enough. Mm-hmm. That's why I told my wife she's taking over. So again, to me, that's a lot of money to put into something when you may or may not have something that people really want. And there's only one, the only the only group that can tell what the public wants is the public. So yeah. you, you know, you can make something that ever you think is the best thing, you know, the greatest thing in the world. And people are like, yo, we don't we don't want this. When I promote it and stuff, I sell. Mm-hmm. But my problem is I have a million different things going. So like, it's me. Like mm-hmm. I understand. Like it's it's the three fingers pointing back at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. What's the name? Where can people buy the stuff so it's we can at least Rebel, sell Rebel, a little yeah. bit of it? Maybe you can get some of your hundred grand back. Well, it's Rebel for good. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I what I did was I because okay, so the military will give you a certain amount of money when you get blown up per limb. They cap it at two limbs total. Mm-hmm. And but what? I, what? <laughs> yeah, they cap it at two limbs. Okay, so it's it's it's, it's public knowledge. It's fifty thousand per limb, but it's capped at a hundred thousand. And with that hundred thousand, I dude, flipped. I know, I don't that know. That is why. the most freaking ridiculous <laughs> thing ever. I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody. God, there was some dang. talks about going and saying like, no, no, it's not right. But the point is, as appreciative, and it's tax free. And what I did instead of buying an Escalade or go out and buy some dumb, you know, something stupid, I flipped Echo. houses. No, no, no. I like Escalades. <laughs> I'm just saying at the time, at the time, nice. I was like the number one podcast in America, like able to like buy an Escalade. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Echo. You have the clout. I didn't. Um, so I flipped houses. And I had some real home runs. I flipped eight houses. Um, some were just like nothing. Just like, mm-hmm. okay, bought it for 80000 sold it for 180000 You know, like nothing yeah. to it nice. before it got saturated. So then I bought the marina and I bought a cottage. And, and I've done investments, right? And I've worked and stuff like that. So what I did was like two, two years ago in February, I decided I was going to bet on myself. So I took money out of the stock market because I didn't like where it was heading. Great time to take mm, it out. Check. I bought an investment property in Florida, and I put money into this company. But I just don't dedicate enough of my time as okay. I need to. So it's on me. But I'm, I'm, we have a store, main local store that's like in 17 stores that's going to go into. So oh, that's cool. So we'll see. We'll start there and see what happens. And if people want to order something today just to like try and maybe help you stay afloat I don't want to take away from, bit, I don't I take mean, away from origin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bro, what is it? What, <laughs> what is rebelforgood.com. It? It's all about... So Rebel for Good is like here comes the came, pitch. What we came up for? Yeah, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to sell anything, but <laughs> Rebel for Good is a. Go well, ahead. the idea was you go against the grain and you be a rebel, but you do good with it. Like sure. you know, you, you uh, I don't know. It's just what we came up with. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset about because I have another, another company that I'm doing some contracting with. That's that will it'll work it out. It'll all work out. Which company is that? Or are it's you just called, it's just called One Alpha um, One Alpha Outdoors, but it's like a I'm doing. Like government bidding. Oh, okay, awesome. Because they give, you know, disabled. I give all whatever. Yeah, I'm more quiet about. I'm not quiet, but like, check. I'm disabled veteran, so I have a status. You're disabled veteran. Okay. Well, cool. They put out my paper. I mean, I'm handy capable though. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we good. Does that does that answer your visualization question? It does because I I sit there and I visualize a lot, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm building this. I'm building that. Like when I'm on like airplanes and stuff like that, that's what I'm doing. I'm like staring off into nothingness. You know, Echo and I just did like a little recording and I was talking about being paranoid that I'm paranoid. I'm a paranoid person, not in a paranoid like, oh, I think everyone's trying to get me. But like paranoid, like when I was in the SEAL teams, I'm paranoid. I'm going to forget a piece of gear. So I'd like check my gear five times Mm -hmm. 
and I would never forget anything. I'd paranoid I was gonna be late, so I'd have three alarm clocks, so I was never late. I'm paranoid that like, oh, I'm gonna make a horrible business decision, so I'm more cautious. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not cautious, but I'm but I don't overcommit to things. So I don't think I don't have an idea and think like, dude, oh, dude, I just inv- I thought of the best you know widget ever, and I'm gonna build a factory to make this widget. Like we have what four factories now mm-hmm. at Origin, but we started with one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And grow. We didn't pool all of our money and borrow a bunch of money and leverage my house and I'll do this all this other stuff to get four factories in one shot. No, we built one, then another one, then another one. So that's kind of same thing with Echelon Front. Like there's a lot of people that work at Echelon Front now. We have an office building. We have like we got a lot of stuff at Echelon Front, a lot of things going on. But we didn't start that way. We started small and grow. And that's what I recommend people to, all the time to do with business is start small and grow. That's, I should have that. With, you know, here's the thing. I should have probably did that when it came to like hitting a bomb, but I just dove right in, <laughs> you know? I could have just took one leg below a knee, see if yeah. I like it. Especially if you knew you're only gonna get, <laughs> if you're gonna get capped at two limbs. Yeah. They didn't tell you that. No. They didn't say like, hey, listen, if you're gonna lose limbs, just trying to hold fast at two. But don't you think, okay, so everybody out there listening, like working hard and, and going about life, don't you think like that's a little bit like even arrogant for me to tell people in a way? Bro. I would have probably at this point written a book, said you're capped at two limbs, and the whole book would have been about this shit. <laughs> this is freaking ridiculous. Okay, the well, U.S. government. I mean, the amount of guys that lose more than two limbs is not a freaking big number, and it's not like we can't pay the guys the other fifty grand or the other hundred grand for four freaking limbs. Come on. Well, if you're listening to this, and I'm I'm kind of out some money right now, so I mean, if you want, no, I'm just kidding. No, I I believe it's gonna like. I, we have made some money on it, right? I'm, I'm not like out a hundred thousand, but uh-huh. I also I realized like it was stupid of me to what not do you, give. Do you my have a all. bunch of t-shirts or whatever sitting around that you I, already we made? Have some, we have some stock, yeah. Okay, we have some stock, yeah. There's shirts, there's hats, there's stuff. <laughs> hey, but everybody, but, go to rebelforgood dot com. com and buy some stuff. There you go from this broke ass veteran. That's right. <laughs> that overinvested. They didn't give me enough for my arms and legs being gone. <laughs> I was just trying. No, no, I just. I'm not saying it's a failure. I'm just saying I don't. I, I think maybe I visualize, I visualize that I don't attack. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. Like I'm like, oh hey, we're gonna work on Rebel for Good today, and then I was gonna do it tomorrow, but I gotta fly to Vegas, and then yeah. I gotta fly to, you know, just my schedule gets me. So I, my wife would love me to like slow down, chill down, chill out. Well, a just bit. figure out what I want to actually do. Mm-hmm. So like, do you uh, know? Yeah. Your purpose. Yeah. I. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Driving purpose. There's a song about it, and I plan on just being a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm gonna do that. You're, that's what you're visualizing. I don't even know why. I mean, I just like this song. I want to be a billionaire. You know, there's so. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Do you know yeah. that song? Yeah, yeah. Song. Of course. Yeah. Everybody. No, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I just I like being busy. I actually I was talking with Pete the, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was driving and I was talking to Pete and I said, you know, he said, oh man, I've been in meetings all day, and I'm sure maybe you were in the meetings with him or whatever, but. They had meetings all day, and, and it's been a couple of days. And he's like, yeah, you know, I was, so I, now I'm just going to go home and maybe relax a bit. I'm like, yeah, but you like work. Of he goes, yeah. He goes, I, yeah, I love it. It's what I do. I'm like, I'm the same way. So, like, I call it work, but when you're the boss, it's not really work. You know, you show up. Everybody's nice to me. <laughs> you know, I go to the foundation. I'm just going, hey, hi, Travis. How you doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. How are you? No one's like, hey, you're going like, to get this paper done. They're like, what are you working on today? You're like, oh, I'm going to eat a piece of chicken. and Customer relations, <laughs> you know, employee uh, relations. But anyway, anyway, no, I, I just, we got way off topic there. Right on. All good. My bad. 
All right, going back to getting back on track, going back to principle number five, stay within the guardrails, manage your emotions, and control your attitude. And you got a, a section in here that I, I gotta run through. When Robert was in grad school, he took an adaptive leadership class that always stayed with him. And it came in handy when he was in danger of losing his job. At that moment, over lunch, he had so many emotions control, consuming him. I really wanted to scream, hey, You've set me up to fail. This is a guy that had uh, like lost his job, or he no, he was he wasn't hadn't lost a job yet, but he was going to get fired. They told him he's going to get fired. He wanted to scream, "Hey, you set me up to fail. You didn't even communicate what you wanted from me. I felt we didn't have an agreement on what I was supposed to do. Yet here I was being told I was failed, but I didn't scream. I remember what I learned in that class, is the adaptive uh, leadership class, to get up on the balcony, get up high, and look f- from above at a situation." Get that perspective to get out of your head and leave your emotions on the floor so you can be more objective and resist having a hasty reaction. Going up on the balcony gave me the space and the presence of mind to get a broader picture and figure out a good plan forward. There may be something you wanna say, but that doesn't mean you should say it. And being on the balcony gave me that time to think on my feet and respond the right way. This is something that I talk about all the time, just being able to Detach is what I call mm-hmm. it. Being able to detach, not get caught up, take a step back, pay attention to what's going on. So what you're talking about in this section of the book is like getting control of your emotions. And you got a bunch of like things to, uh, that you cover in here. I mean, per our last conversation, I just, I literally realized it's my fault for I don't spend enough time on the product right now. You, I, d- I detached to look from above, and I was like, you know what? Actually, as I'm telling you guys this, <laughs> it's my fault. I suck. Yeah, well, you also probably get like emotional about like, hey, this is going to be a great product, and you don't take a step back and go, oh, okay, yeah. hold on a second. Have I tested the market? Do I understand what people really want? Because you think you do. We all think we do. We think in our gut. Like, everyone's yeah. going to love this. Well, I thought I had some stuff lined up, too, where it's going to go into a big retail store automatically, and I had it all lined up, mm-hmm. and then... Last minute, did not work out that way. I was like, okay. Because I remember telling my wife, like, hey, I'm just going to bet on myself. You know, just I'm going to invest in myself. There's a weird two (laughs) thing, like, sometimes people have, and you probably have some of this too, is, like, people that are so good and convincing that they convince themselves and then they convince everybody else that they're right. Like, I have to be careful that, like, I don't, I can be pretty persuasive about stuff. I can be so persuasive that I can persuade, like, echo that, like, we're going to do something and it doesn't make any sense. So I'm always, like, Checking myself again. I'm paranoid. I'm paranoid that I might be wrong and that keeps me a little bit more in check about things Mm -hmm. Um, You got a couple things in here about uh, When you talk about emotions like breathing you say practice mindfulness Which when again, this is the research that was done. No, but when I was reading it, I was kind of like, okay, here we go But then you said here's a typical initial conversation with many former Marines Hey, so we're gonna do some mindfulness work before we work out today. Oh, so we're gonna go full-on hippie Ever shoot between breaths when you were behind the scope of a rifle? Well, that's mindfulness. So you kind of brought it down for us freaking knuckle draggers. I like I like that. You talk about that mindfulness stuff. You talk about humor, using anger as a motivator, role playing you put in there, just freaking awesome. Something we do all the time. And then just making sure, and again, you go into this, get the book, get the book out there because it talks about like the actual methodology from going from like a negative thought to a positive thought. And this is some of the really good stuff to take away from the book. Uh, Principle six, make the time to be grateful for what you have. And then this is when the science, you have a little thing in here, it's called, you've got creative. It's called science lesson number one. 
Mm. We tend to be negative Nancys. I've got a little excerpt here. It's called negativity bias. We tend to remember and dwell from stressful negative experiences more than a positive and to base our behaviors off of them, which is interesting. It goes into it here like if you are out on the, you know, Serengeti Plains and you watched like your family get mauled by a lion back in the day, you'd be like, lions, bad. Mm-hmm. I need to stay away from them. So that makes us dwell more on the negative than than on the positive. And I think that we do that as, as uh, just, just as our, as you know, as humans we do that. like. We've had at the foundation thousands of families or thousands of people come, right? Um, hundreds of families, and I I tend to imagine or I tend to like relive like the three or four that won't get invited back. Out of all the success mm-hmm. stories we've had, all the the spouses and and the crying and like this is the best thing ever. My husband, this is the guy I, I married. He's exactly like the guy I married, and I haven't seen this guy since before he deployed. And it was like four years prior. And I'm like, remember that one family that came here? And like they let their kids just ruin everything. They they used our brand new towels, let the kids poopy butt, and like just all, you know, it's like the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And I do that, and I and I focus on that, or it just it, it's it's irritating that I do that. And then I had one comment made to me when I, my house got built. Gary Sneeze Foundation, Karen Charitable Foundation, and Tom Towers were all together. They built it. Very very grateful to have the adaptive home. And I had an older gentleman come out because I had an elevator in my house. The elevator was donated, but I had an elevator, and the guy said, "How many?" Elevate, how many ramps could you put on veterans' houses and you have an elevator in your house? He said, you're just building a shrine for yourself out there with your foundation. Damn. And that, dude. like, sticks in my head because I've never taken a dollar from my foundation. I mean, I've never taken a bonus. I don't use any of the money for myself. Like, and, and if I did, nobody would say anything mm-hmm. if I had a salary, but I don't. And, like, we raise quite a bit of money. We're very fortunate. People support and believe in us. But I literally go out for two hours now during a Tuesday lunch. I don't even eat lunch. I meet the families, I say hi, and then I take off and I go to different, I schedule other stuff because I don't want people to think I did it just so I can be out there and like, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. And like, just some old some old guy. He, a matter of fact, he's a Vietnam vet and he happened to be business partners with a friend of mine that I met, my plumber. I that's called a, my plumber and I got the guy's number. Dude. That's a bitter yeah. dude. Man. Well, let me tell you something. You want to see a Facebook troll? You got one in front of you. People give me a bad review at my restaurant, they're going to find out. You talk bad about my marina, we're going to have a conversation. This gentleman, I got his phone number. I called him up. I said, hey, I'm not sure why you're saying this, but we're going to have a conversation about it. How'd you get my number? I'm like, I know people. Don't worry about it. And he just he just couldn't get over it. They didn't understand what I was doing with the foundation. And now to this day, I still always think about that. I want to make sure people know. Like, And I don't know why, but I'm like, hey, look, we raised, You know, I think we're going out $40 million dollars of in-kind donations and donations and, and we're, we're building and we're helping and supporting and building programs out. And I make sure every chance, every chance I get, just like right now, I don't know why I feel compelled, but everybody knows like I and Kelsey, we have never taken a dollar, a salary, a bonus, nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to, but I want people, I don't know why that guy just got in my head. That was like when I was moving in my house. Dude, that's, that's case in point. People focus of all the people that have praised and been thankful for all the families that you've helped and everything. But you, you think about this one dude that oh. talks shit about you. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. <laughs> so case in point, sometimes we focus on the negative. <laughs> I know. Your book mm-hmm. is correct. Science lesson number one. Science lesson number two. This is your brain on gratitude. Studies have shown that practicing gratitude can have incredible results on the brain and mood. People have reported feeling happier, more motivated and more content after adding the practice into their daily life. So you got that in there. Gratitude breed resilience. You give some science behind that. You give science lesson number four, really believe it. And you talk about 
Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman. And just the fact that he's like talking about when when you go into a, what is it, an ice bath you're talking about here? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, for it to really work, you have to believe that it really works. You have to think that like this is good for me. And then it then it's like more helpful. I should so, I should know this about you, but do you do the ice plunges and all I that? I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought do. so. I, I thought. <laughs> Why did you think so? Did you ever post about it, or did we talk about it? I can't. I, I, thought I don't. I, heard I don't it. really. I don't really post about it no. a lot. No. All right. Well, I didn't mean to bring it up here for the world. But. No, no. There's <laughs> there's like a whole thing. <laughs> there's a whole thing around like doing ice bath and posting about it. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like you can do that. Um, <laughs> Okay. You know, hey, if I don't post about it, did it really happen? It That's really a question, happen? you know. That's right. But no, I, I do. I, I I do. I do it every day. I have a sauna and a ice bath. So, yes, I do that stuff every day. We have a sauna. My wife wants to get an ice, ice bath. I'm not sure if I can get out of it, though. That's my problem. <laughs> you would need to get some kind of modifications or something to it. But they're not deep. Yeah. I can you, get up you my, could. You wouldn't my drown leg. in it. I can get up no, my actually, you know what? Out. You know what? You could definitely get out of it because I'm thinking about when I was rolling jujitsu with you. You have like this weird upper body mobility. You'd be able to like hook onto the side and yank yourself out. I'm not so sure it's weird. It's just it's just how I am. You, now, but yeah. it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's got to be weird, <laughs> dude. You'd probably like that ice bath because I know you run hot because yeah. you, you don't have the like as much radiator as yeah, the rest my, of us have. My blood circulates faster through my body. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you would probably f- it would probably feel really good to you. Yeah, yeah. Like it refreshing. Do- it does feel good. I mean, you know, all the stuff that you hear about it is true. Like you get in there, it sucks when you get in there, and then you're just like, yo. And I used to not dunk my head on under because I have like real bad something called surfer's ears. Have you ever heard of that? I mean, I know what cauliflower, I know surfer's ears. So surfer ears, it's the inside of your ear canal. Mm-hmm. You expose it to cold water a lot and it gets, it starts to get bone growths and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So like my ears, my ear canals are like 85% shut. And so I get ear infections easily. So, but now I just like plug my ears with my fingers and just go under and it feels really good. Um, but yeah, my son, when my son was like nine years old, we were at a surf contest and they had a person there selling like earplugs because everyone gets surfers ear and it's really bad out here in California. And he looked at my ears and he's like, dude. And then he goes, well, let me take a look at your son. And my son's like a maniac in the water. He would be in the water his whole life. And he, he like looks at my son's ear and he goes, I have never seen a child with ears like this. <laughs> Ooh. His ears were already like forty <laughs> percent closed at age nine. Jeez. Yeah, it was like yo, bad father coming in hot. Uh, next principle: get up, battle, buddy. Never underestimate the power of a support system. We have to realize that while our individual experience may differ, the struggle is the same. Ninety-nine point nine percent of all human beings struggle. It's just what we do. And then you quote a Harvard study. Yeah, that's what I, oh, I'm a, I have three doctorates. Now. <laughs> um, I'm a doctor three times over. Bates, Unity, and University of Maine Augusta. What, well, what, well, my alma maters. Jack. I showed up for a day for one of them. The other one, I showed up for a dinner and a day for the. And they the, gave you like honorary doctorates? You know, they still count. But yeah, okay. I got, I got th- you don't have any honorary I'm doctorates? I'm so impressed, bro, no. no. What? No, when I got done with the University of San Diego, I was like, I'm never going back to school. No, no, no. I, I just went 
I went for the graduation for ceremony. No, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I have too many arms and legs to get honorary degrees over here on my side. Hold what you got. <laughs> it's up to me. If you're taking advice from me for anything, hold what you got. A uh, Harvard study, apparently the longest study on human behavior, was, has found that over, overwhelmingly people who have deep personal relationships with others are happier than people who don't. Translation, you could be a billionaire and have all the material things you want in life and still be miserable. Money will not bring you happiness. Status will not bring you happiness. Deep personal connections you have will. It does not just affect emotional health. It also affects your physical health. Health. One recent study found that seniors who consider themselves lonely have a 59% higher risk of physical and mental health decline and a 45% greater risk of death. Other studies liken loneliness to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Check. Okay. What about dogs? Are dogs <laughs> in the game for that? Like, I don't think, don't, I don't dogs so. make don't dogs make like pets make you kind of happier too? Yeah, I hear you, good things. Yeah, you got dogs? I do, I do. I got dogs, but I don't have a service dog. I don't want a service dog. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take Bro, a dog everywhere. Everybody's got a service dog now. Yeah, you go into the airport mm-hmm. and there's people that are like mm-hmm. walking around with a service dog. You don't know why. They look. They seem to be healthy, and you can't question it. That's the only thing you yeah. can't question. This service dog is jumping up, and peeing on everything. But uh, no, I have I have two dogs, um, and they're just at my house. My wife made me. Uh, she made me. I went to that at a golf tournament out in Iowa, and our old dog. We had to put him down, and I was like, "You can just do it without me. It's cool." She's like, "Yeah, no." So <laughs> I had to fly back from Iowa. That's when, I was, the, that's when the yeah. army soldier slips, yeah. slips out. Sometimes you're like, "Oh, gotta put the yeah, go ahead, take care of it." Yeah, you I'll got be back this. and I'll be back next week. So I had to fly home, knowing I was like, "Oh yeah, so I'm gonna land, get home. A vet's gonna come to our house, and we're gonna kill my dog." So Eesh. cool. So like, I had to do that, and then um, I always joke around like about service dogs. I'm like everybody's like, "You should get a service dog." I'm like, "I I got a dog." His name's Buddy. And they're like, yeah, but we, we can get your dog that listens. And I get offended. Because my dog, Buddy, was so good. I used to look at my dog and say, hey, Buddy, sit. Like, when you want. You know? And eventually, <laughs> he would sit down. Yeah, when you know? he wanted. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, we have we have a Fox Red Lab and a Havanese. They're good dogs. Check. But do you think they help people live longer? Echo Charles assessment. That, well, I hear good things. I've heard, I've heard about, you know, they give um, people all kinds of random pets and yeah, they get they get like happy because they have more of a purpose. They can take care of it, all this mm. stuff. But now the fact that they don't live past like twelve, thirteen is that when they have to go? Is that a bad thing? Yeah, that feels like they might de- jam somebody up for sure. Yeah, I've heard it with like dogs, uh, cats, rabbits. You know, people just have a pet to take mm-hmm. kind of take care of. Yeah, kind of companionship scenario. Uh, I, think, I think that I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, it feels like and it. some people like dogs better than people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My Sweet. wife was saying the other day. Um, we were, my family was having a discussion about like what you would pay to like keep the dog alive and everything. And I think my oldest daughter, who's kind of cold blooded, she was like, no more than a thousand, <laughs> you know, or something like that. <laughs> and then, you know, my little daughter was like, oh no, you didn't. My son was like, dude, you, that's crazy. And then my wife says, um, I view our dog, I view Odin as one of my children. <laughs> I was just like, yo, if this dog gets sick, I'm going to be bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, my my one of my my friends, um, their dog had like cancer. His three year old dog, and they spent like I think eight grand on. Yeah, it. and I'm like, why? <laughs> you bought it for three hundred, probably. You can buy another lab. You know, you can buy a lot of labs. And then I'm like, I would never do that. And Kelsey looked at me. She goes, Oh, oh yeah, you would. Oh yeah, you would. And like she was on their side, and I'm like, Nah, you got shut down. Yeah, <laughs> you got shut down. I mean, what what was your number? 
Uh, look, my wife's, you know, she's going to make a call on that dog. You know what I'm saying? Same with my you number. You can back out of that conversation real quick. <laughs> and my dog, you know, it, it, you know, I'm the alpha. You know what I mean? In the house. Yeah. You know, like I get, he listens to me the most, but he does like her more. Now, let me ask you a question. Because I don't, I've never been to your house. Like, mm-hmm. do you live in the country a little bit? I, mean, I know where we're at right no, now. No, I live but, by the ocean. But like, do you? Like I live, you have you been to my house? I can't remember. No. Been to my yeah yeah you did. Did nope. you come for dinner? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yep. that. No, thank you. Invite. <laughs> I did. You didn't fly in quick enough. I remember because okay. Leif and the ladies came. Up. Yeah. Anyway, so I can go out my back door on my porch, uh-huh. and I have a twenty acres with no neighbors. Mm-hmm. So I tinkle outside. That's mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. But when my dog walks over and pees on top of mine, that's when I get angry. I'm like, excuse me? Dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what do you, and it, the funny thing is, it's like the little dog first. He's just like a little 30 so pound. So he kind of out alphas you, your he, dogs? Well, he tries to. Uh-huh. But then, you know, then I let him know. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, that's a weird thing to bring up, but I get pissed. I'm like, what are you doing? Wait, that's a I'm flex, a, right? For dogs? Mm. I think so. Peeing over your pee. Yeah. Sure so, enough. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, so, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there was an MMA heard. fighter a while ago that his nickname was Show Nuff the Master. Yeah. Remember that dude? Yeah, Remember his, What was his real name? Oh, the MMA fighter or the real Show No, Nuff? there was an MMA fighter whose name was, you know, Bill Show Nuff the Master Smith or whatever his mm. actual name was. Oh, like a, wait, I thought he was a regular martial artist, like tradi- t- traditional martial. No, there was no? an MMA okay. fighter yeah. whose nickname was Show Nuff the Master, I've, I've, which I have to say is the, like one of the top nicknames. Well, I saw, I saw no. a Thug Nasty one again. Yeah, he did. Bryce, yep. yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to meet him yet, but he seems like a pretty decent guy. To oh, yeah. Out. He's a character. And that was a really good scrap, dude. He looked sharp. And he's down there. He got hit pretty good. I, uh, his, well, his yeah, eye. he got cracked in the eye, but, dude, he he oh, he looked, he looked good. really good in that fight. That guy could not defend the takedown. And, dude, this is a dude that's like the wrestling he's doing is like with chickens right now. <laughs> yeah. My boy Bryce, dude. Yeah. That dude's out wrestling chickens and going in the cage and jacking people up. Well, God Ty, bless him. Ty and Ian went out there. They had a great time. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. I think they FaceTimed me, actually. Yeah. But no. uh, they had a great time hanging out with him. Yeah, them. no, Bryce is a maniac, dude. Yeah. But. Yeah, he looked really good in that fight. He, yeah, his nickname's good, Thug Nasty. Thug Nasty. Well, Shonuff <laughs> is from an uh, old movie. Yeah, I kind of it vaguely was, remember that. Yeah, it's called The Last Dragon, which was the uh, black, you know how they do like the black version of a like movie? It's mm. like there's the black version of one of the Bruce Lee movies. So okay. instead of Shogun, it was Shonuff. Oh, that's so that legit that. right there. Yeah, and that part, that movie's actually pretty, f- it's a comedy movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like Robin Hood and, and Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah, like, kind like of. Like a spoof kind, kind of. of yeah. Like Scream and the Scream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. It's, is it a spoof? It's like kind of a spoof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a spoof. Yeah, for sure. No, I don't mean in a bad way. No, Just, no. It's, is it's, that it's a funny yeah. movie. It's old school, though. But that's where Show Enough came from. In fact, I always thought that, too. That that name is pretty dope. Yeah. Show Enough the but, Master. Yeah, Show Enough the Master. Is, he, yeah. is that his full name in the movie? Yes, if I'm not mistaken. Damn, yeah. dude. Man, I was a little kid when I was But the one. thing is, it's a real problem if you try and give yourself a nickname that's that badass, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't give your nickname. You can't give yourself your own nickname, like Nighthawk. <laughs> 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 Which I think I just took from Step Brothers, right? Yeah. Step yeah, Brothers, yeah. he says, like, you call me Nighthawk or something <laughs> like that. Call me Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dragon. yeah, you can't give yourself cool nicknames. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Principal eight. Yeah, back on, back on. One that I am familiar with from the SEAL teams. Never give up, never quit, ever. Push past your own personal best. 
Um, so when I came up with this, like I, I, my slogan, if you will, is never, never give up, never quit. Mm-hmm. I was doing sit-ups. After I got blown up, I was doing sit-ups, and I was 140 pounds, right? I lost 110 pounds, my injury. And I was doing sit-ups, and they were recording me. And as I was doing these sit-ups, the, the occupational therapist was like, hey, do you want to take a break? And I'm like, no, I'm never going to take, I'm never gonna take a break. I said, I'm just never going to give up, never going to quit. And I just kept, like, ripping these sit-ups out. And, I mean, I was so weak. I, I, I mean, drugged up, looked mm-hmm. like a crackhead. <laughs> and I was just like, that's where I came from. So I'm never going to stop. Yeah. yeah. I was just, like, <laughs> yeah. ripping them out. It's freaking awesome, man. Um, you, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. You say uh, having a growth mindset. Psychologist Angela Lee Duckworth is the best-selling author of Grit, Power of Passion and Perseverance. In it, Duckworth defines grit as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. In her words, quote, grit entails working strenuously toward challenges, maintaining effort and interest over the years despite failure, adversity, and plateaus in progress. People are born with various levels of grit, but Duckworth contends that it is a trait that develops through experience. One key to improving it, as she points out in her TED Talk, is by shifting your mindset from a fixed to a growth orientation. So you also have some tips in here about how to stick it out. Don't overthink it. And again, you get the book. Take I'm, your time. You keep saying, I have these tips, but you wrote the forward. You're, it's we. Now we, we we have these tips. Yeah, we have these tips you in put your our name book, on it, buddy. In our book, am I getting a cut? Well, I tell you I what, didn't. <laughs> I tell you that in the contract, bro. Yeah, well, I, I think it was uh, if he would have narrated. Yeah, I think that's what was in the contract. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah, Chuck. Uh, take your time. Always be curious. Be a one percenter. The one percent rule is the theories of making tiny changes that add up. Well, we just covered something, something like that on the podcast. Uh, be careful about perfectionism. And then you get to the fixed and growth mindsets here from care. Another psychologist. You got all these psychologists in here, but I, you don't have Jordan Peterson. Interesting. I just, yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't know if he would want to be in my, the, you, you know, well, you didn't know who he is until through, 15 yeah. minutes ago. He's like, Hey, this is my 25 through 36. What the hell? And I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize this is extension. Uh, people 20. with a fixed mindset. Those who believe that abilities are absolute are less likely to f- flourish than those who believe that abilities can be developed. In other words, with a growth mindset, you you see challenges as learning opportunities rather than as obstacles to overcome. That's um one of those things, man, you know people that are like that. Like, do you know people, like I know people in my life where they like anything, they like look at it, they're like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like I can figure this out. I can make this happen. That's a, that's a good thing to have. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean. I think that's what Pete really. I feel like you know Pete Roberts. I mean, we've talked yeah. about a little. I think feel like he did that too with like the, hey, we got to bring manufacturing back. Let me go get this old piece of equipment yeah, that yeah. hasn't ran in forty years. Yeah, let me just figure this out from yeah. nothing, which is freaking crazy. Well, I was gonna say that I, I was thinking about that too when we were talking about like growing businesses. Like Origin mm-hmm. started with one sewing. Actually, I think it was started with two sewing mm-hmm. machines, two like broken sewing machines that didn't work. You know, like make them work. The loom, bro, the loom is crazy. Now we got. Six looms, I think one of them, five yeah. looms, one of them broke. But yeah, that's some growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, you cannot manufacture here. You can't do this here. Oh, yes, we can't watch this. You know, and, and not to like toot my own horn here, but let me but just it say. it sounds like we're about to. Beep, beep, okay. <laughs> so I was the guy that would always like help somebody. Like, I, look, I couldn't change the brakes that well. I could figure it out, but not like, I was a mechanically inclined person. Mm-hmm. But when you lose your arms and legs, and you have to literally explain to people what you need 
<laughs> like you have to figure some shit out. So like for me now, after my injury, I have to break everything down to like, how am I gonna, even like making, like as simple as like making an egg sandwich in the morning. Not even egg, I can't crack eggs. So I'm saying like a ham cheese, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like, okay, I gotta get this out first. I gotta make sure I have this set up. And like, I never did that before, right? I just like run to a wall and just try to like, oh, I can't figure it out. Let me just ask, I'll, I'll phone a friend, I'll Google it. But after being injured, like, I have to like think every single step of how I need to do something out before I do it. Because if mm-hmm. I don't, it can go real bad real quick. So you gotta be more uh, patient. Patient and Sucks. what's that word? Like proactively thinking about way you're yeah. gonna execute things. Yeah. Yeah, cause you can get, you can get like tripped up in a situation that's gonna be shitty. Well, like, you know, it's funny you said shitty because I wasn't going to say that, but, like, say I got to use, use the restroom, right? I got a hook I have. I got to make sure I get my legs off the right way. My shorts got to come off the right way. I got to make sure I'm all set up so that after I take everything off, I can put it all back on to, like, make sure I don't have to call someone to help me out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's just, like, a, it's all a process now, which, yeah. which is fine, right? It's fine. It's, like, your new normal. I, mm-hmm. I, I talk about you find your new normal, um, but it's just – I never had that before, but now it's like I can only get frustrated so much if I can't figure something out or someone, I can't get someone to help the way I need them to help because what's it going to do for me? Yeah, dude, you know? your patience must be like level ninja. For myself. For other people, not so much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not for your not, not for your six-year-old son, Dax. Oh, gosh. Oh. Patience is thin. My daughter, I uh, called her. She's like, yeah, I'll be right there. One sec. And I hear talking to her friend Ashley or Emily still, and I'm like, I don't know what you didn't get about when I said get over here. <laughs> she says, geez, Dad, just calm down. I can do it faster than you. I'm like, you know what, you little turd? Oh, this is 12. This is 12. So it's, it's, it's only gonna it's only gonna get it's gonna get worse before it gets better. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, principle number nine: swim with the sharks, walk with the horses. Make fear your friend. I'm going to read a little section here. For me, the fear of failure hits home. When I was growing up and playing a lot of competitive sports, I never wanted to fail, and I took that fear to my military days as it as it folded in nicely with the military's hard-ass philosophy of always having a game face. I always wanted to make sure that I led from the front and never showed any weakness because if I did, my guys would lose faith in me. I knew that if that happened, they wouldn't follow my orders that were meant to keep them alive. That fear drove me. When I became injured, I was confronted with a new, seemingly impossible, insurmountable fear. How the hell was I going to take care of my wife and daughter with no legs and arms? Who did I think I was? Because I was certainly no longer Staff Sergeant Mills, fearless leader of combat soldiers. I was instead lying in a bed, helpless, limbless, and jobless. That immediate fear I had in that hospital bed lasted for weeks, months even. No one saw it though. I wouldn't let them. I wouldn't let fear win. I probably didn't handle this perfectly, but in the military you're taught if you stop moving forward, you die. So even though I couldn't physically move forward, I knew I had to move on emotionally. I used this fear as a motivating factor to help me. Yeah. Here's getting into some steps that you've got here um, to help you overcome fear. Number one, know what your fear is. Is there something in your life you want to change but don't? Knowledge is power. Number two, acknowledge that a bit of fear is good. It means it is taking you out of your comfort zone, getting comfortable with, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Know that it is normal to feel this way. And many people feel fear. You are not alone. These two right here, um, 
making sure that people know that like that's okay and acknowledging that it's good i've had that i originally had that conversation with guys in the teams like especially like young guys like you could see like before an op like it was first couple ops on deployment you could see they're like real nervous and just being like hey dude got some butterflies in your stomach there homie you just went to the bathroom four times in the last 15 minutes and it's like no i'm good it's like hey bro it's all it is good like you should feel afraid you should be like nervous because you're gonna get getting ready to go out into combat and i had that same conversation with with uh quite a few mma fighters before fighting in like in the ufc mm-hmm. where you know they might have all those guys like you don't get to the ufc without having competed your whole life in wrestling or in jiu-jitsu or in whatever and so they're 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 feel real comfortable and then all of a sudden you get to the ufc dude it's a hundred percent they're going to be nervous because it's the ufc and you see them get nervous and just being able to tell them hey man you're feeling nervous huh dude i'm uh, i don't know man uh it's like hey man it's good that's your body getting re- your body your mind getting ready for combat it's okay well it's heightened senses too right yeah, yeah exactly it's your body and your mind getting ready yeah it's freaking it's, it's how it should be um Number four, share your fear with others who will understand what you are going through. Number five, stop negative thinking in its tracks. Number six, plan. Number seven, call it. Realize that you have a choice to get over fear or not. Number eight, give yourself a big hoo-yah for going for it. Now, you use the term hoo-yah. Why did you use the term hoo-yah? Super great question for my collaborative author, Kathy. Okay. Just because we know that in the army you say hua, yeah, and I say airborne. I never said hua. And as a matter of fact, the only place they say hua is in the SEAL teams. They've started to say it in other places now in the Navy. Maybe that's because SEAL teams are the best. You know, maybe if if they had a a movie out, you know, that I would have been able to see, I would have tried to go for a SEAL team. If only there were more books about the SEAL teams. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'll but, get right to work. Yeah, thank you. Thank, well, no, I'm not in high school anymore. I mean, I had my choice. <laughs> Navy didn't have the best reputation when I was looking at the services. Did you even know what the SEAL teams were when you were looking uh-huh. at the services? No, I was looking at Rangers and uh-huh. Special Forces. And then I had the Ranger contract, and I could—I I feel like I could have did it, but oh, they were you, just like, they were like, yeah. they just, they got me. You and I had that conversation on the first time. Yeah. Is like, you were definitely a, a way better athlete than I was, like not even close, but for some reason, I was like cocky enough to think like I'll make it through that training, and for some reason, you were like, "Oh, I'm not sure," which is a weird thing. Yeah, it was just like they were like, "Oh, hey, we can send you whatever unit you want," because they were just trying to plus units up to go overseas, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You're gonna go there. It's gonna be six months wait here." And I was like, "We're all like, oh, we gotta get in the fight right now." Mm-hmm. I shipped out a week later, like like those guys went like the next day, yeah. and then we we still hung out with them like at UNC Chapel Hill, all my friends, and I'm it, like, oh my god, it's weird sucks. that in 2006 you thought you needed to like hurry up and get in the fight. The war had already been going on for five years, and it was going to go on for another 15. Well, because you know that one time I got blown up, I didn't know the future. Uh, it's kind of the same situation there. Like I didn't know how long it was going to be. Uh, but the but, drill sergeant's like, dude, you got to get over there. In 2006, bro. I mean, it, well, there was no slowing down in sight. It wasn't like this. You know, yeah. ten foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah, that's what know? happens when you're a young kid. Yeah, but uh, how old were you? So were you like nineteen when you enlisted, or were you twenty? I, I was eighteen, but then I turned nineteen in basic. Because you went to one year, or no, you only semester went to like one. Semester and a half. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. semester and a half. <laughs> Shaq. I only have a year and a half left. Like, uh, like if I would now, it's probably expired. But uh, I only had a year and a half left for like a degree, 
if I would have, because I, I did oh. college op. I kept re-enlisted to but, go to college. But you got three doctorates. Why do you care anymore? Oh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going. I literally had my daughter doing, like, she was doing math, like, to, like last year, and they were doing this common core thing, and yeah. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And it's like, well, Danny does it this way, and Susie does it this way. I said, yeah. Chloe, cross out Susie's name <laughs> and put my dad, <laughs> and I showed her how to do long division. She's like, this yeah. is so much easier. I'm like, yeah. So next day, like, she got to show her class, like, long The teacher goes, that's what we're trying to get you guys to do, and Chloe's like, yeah, this is what my dad said. This is his philosophy, how yeah. he does it. The Common Core thing is definitely strange. Yeah. It's like, have you seen it yet, Echo? You yeah, might, your yeah. kids might be too yeah. old or too young. No. Oh. So you're like, yeah. wait a second, just subtract one, you know? Bro, and they're like, yeah. well, no, what you need to do is add two and then remove three, and then you're going to get the answer of minus one. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just real strange. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't like feeling dumb at sixth grade or fifth grade math, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like... No, nah, just cross it out and say, my dad says this is how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a fun time at the t parent-teacher's conference. I did I did get yelled at by my wife because I said, Chloe, when you go to school tomorrow, like this was this was last year, uh -huh. sixth grade. I said, when you go to school, just tell him that your dad, you know, owns a few businesses. He's, you know, and in my 35 years of being alive, because that time was 35, I said, I've never used this once a day in my life. So mm -hmm. just let them know that I own these businesses and I've never used this crap ever. Mm -hmm. So... I'm glad you're learning it. Mm -hmm. And Kelsey goes, you can't say that. I'm like, okay. okay. I I would go to a parent-teacher night. I haven't done it in a while. But <laughs> when I, last time I went, I like took selfies with all the teachers, you know, like with a, with a crazy face and sent them to them because then my kids were like, what are you doing? <laughs> my daughters, my son didn't, get, I didn't even do it because it yeah. wouldn't like phase him. He'd just be like, whatever, you know. <laughs> but my daughters, I took crazy like selfies with all their teachers, you know, like, let me get a selfie with you. <laughs> uh, number nine, debrief. Think about how you would improve, show a growth mindset. Oh, I was going to touch on something quick yeah, with, with uh, the, the previous one when it says like, you know, I wouldn't let like anybody see what was going on. Like mm -hmm. I had my community, but I, I, I thought it was a, a Japanese um, s philosopher that said like, there's your friends that know you. There's like your spouse that knows your intimate friends. There are people, how the people know you, how your friends know you than actually how, who you really are. For six months, I couldn't look in a mirror at myself. I just wouldn't, I, I literally would brush my teeth off to the side because mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't see just this little arm as I was brushing my teeth with mm -hmm. a prosthetic. And it was like so hard for me, but nobody knew that because I was in the bathroom by myself when I was doing that. And like I said, I probably didn't do the mental health thing the right way, but yeah. But I, like, I wonder if like the prescription would be like, oh, you should have told your wife, or you should have told your friends, or something like that. I mean, I'm sure somebody else is feeling like now you're deformed. Like I was deformed, mutated in a way. I still am, but like I, I can accept this is who I. This is my body now, mm -hmm. you know. But but I mean as far as like have the community and have people you yeah. like rely on and stuff like that. Like that's advice I need to take. Cause at the time I couldn't even, I, I, I didn't look in a mirror at all. If it wasn't like neck up, I wasn't looking. Damn. Yeah. And it took you like six months. You're saying mm -hmm. to like, where you're like started to accept it. Yeah. Kind of like, okay, well this isn't changing. I went to bed every night. Hoping it's going to change. It hasn't changed yet. <laughs> I don't think it's going to grow back. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to bring the mood down. I mean, I didn't mean that in a bad way. Just, no. But sometimes, you know, it takes Well, it takes it's wild. Time. You were talking earlier about like that feeling like, okay, this must be a dream and I'm just going to wake up and it's going to be over. And, you know, we've all probably had mm -hmm. bad dreams where we're like, wake up and you're so relieved that it was a dream. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, after a while, you keep wanting to have that feeling and it ain't happening. And, and, and I was okay. Like I was accepting my injuries, and I was getting better. I was working out, 
but it was like just there was different things you know mm-hmm. there's different things like i actually think in this book in the picture section like the, the picture with the orange hats in there yeah yeah you know and i like the picture now but yeah at the time i was like no nah, i can't i remember having that kind of go viral with jenna put me on fox news mm-hmm. and and I, and all that stuff that picture and my sergeant major called me and i was in launch tool and i said sergeant major i'm so sorry that picture i shouldn't have that hat on and i was out of regulation i understand if i gotta d- get a demotion like best job i ever had i appreciate it but i, I apologize for it He's like, Mills, you crazy son of a bitch. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that, I have a baseball cap on outside. Like, yeah, I shouldn't have had that on. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he was just like, I think you're good. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, cool, cool. <laughs> Never mind. Forget what I said then. Jenna trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> um, principle 10, a new normal. Your vulnerability is your strength. Vulnerability is defined as the ability or the chance of being physically or emotionally wounded. In the military, we don't like vulnerability since it can imply that you're in danger or in a weak position. Being vulnerable is the very thing you didn't want to be as a soldier after all. When a soldier is vulnerable in a vulnerable position, you can get killed, vulnerable to the enemy, vulnerable to attack. We were trained to not be vulnerable. Yet in real life, it takes on a different meaning. While being vulnerable on the battlefield means weakness, being vulnerable with yourself doesn't have to mean you're weak. In fact, it can mean the opposite. Being vulnerable is strength. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like opening up. Like, I mean, just when I was saying my my alive day, how I hated it, it mm-hmm. irritated me, I never want to celebrate it. And then all of a sudden I said, you know, but after the last eight years or whatever it was, whatever alive day it was, I realized, like, it's a thank you for all the hard work that went into my recovery, doctors, nurses, staff, therapists at Walter Reed, you know, uh, prosthetists, everybody that got me back where I was at. And it was uh, a more gratitude of what was done to save my life rather than anger of being injured or thinking about the day I got blown up as like a positive. Mm-hmm. And then like having Taylor like, hey man, nailed it. Like that man, and Taylor doesn't say very much, like he's a good guy, but he's yeah. pretty dry, quiet, hilarious, but mm-hmm. you know, and him just saying that, like, just nailed it. I think it's all he texted me. I was like, man, that's cool that, yeah, that's that we awesome. can, you know, have that. Like, he felt the same way, but never, we never voiced it. Um, but, you know, I like, you know, they say I always negotiate from a position of strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, because a lot of times I feel like I'm just trying to be on the same level. I don't want to be above or, like, do this because I'm in power. But I find myself using my story, having me to, like, help mentor people and talk to them so like i use the vulnerability of my story but mm-hmm. it's never like on the same level as somebody where i'm like like i'm not asking people for their you know advice on my injuries and maybe i need to do better about that because i'm more of like i want to be the mentor not the mentoree <laughs> if you will you know unless it's you i'll talk you know you two out mm-hmm. but when, when it comes i'm like to, i know you feel i sprained my ankle last week so i kind of Mm. Let, yeah. me, let me give you some yeah. some advice on mental toughness. Right, right. No, I get it. I get it. That's right. <laughs> you did crawl with a broken leg eight miles. And then, when and then I was walk, 10. Yeah, then walk up the hill to school and, and back up the hill home <laughs> with a broken leg for, for five days. I, I heard the whole story. I get it. I know about I know that you, you don't know, know about, about vulnerability yeah. like I do, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what. I tell you what. Have your arms and legs taken away and have to uh, use the restroom. And have the corpsman have to help you every time. Yeah. <laughs> you are vulnerable. Yeah. And that yeah. was like the worst, like literally the worst time, like the worst part of my life was having to do like with that part. As soon as I got my arm, I was like, never again. Yeah. Because they have these surgeries out there. Like they'll put steel rods in my arm and they're like, it's called osteointegration. Mm-hmm. But I'd be without an arm for like 
Nope. One day is too long. What, like, would yeah. the, what would the purpose of the steel rods going in your arm be? Gets rid of the socket completely, and then the hand hooks right into it, and then they just – they do it with the legs too. A lot of people you see with legs like that, they have steel rods come out of their leg. Called, oh, and, no kidding. And, like, it helps with the overheating because I have three layers on my legs that, like, don't sweat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's up my inner thigh. So you're saying there would be a metal <laughs> protrusion coming out of your body. Yeah. Yeah. How do they, like – keep it uh, sealed and not getting infected. Well, there's a ton of uh, medication that you got to take just in case, but they're trying to redo the dermatology. The dermatologists are doing like skin and they're trying to make it like your skin on your, either your fingernails skin or your uh, gums. Try to change it to that. Huh. But I'm just, I'm not going to, but you're not it. doing it cause you're not going to go without an arm. Yeah. Without an arm. I'm not going to go without legs for nine months. That's what it takes usually. So it's cool, but this is what it is. Yeah. Plus things are advancing so fast now. That you could probably wait like another two, three, four years. They'll have some new advancements. Well, stem you know cell, I mean? they're actually regrowing people's limbs. They just can't figure out how to make it stop. Crazy stuff going on right now. <laughs> so you just grow like the biggest arm ever? Well, I mean, I don't want that. You like Echo over here? Yeah. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> I think that's length. I think you just won't. You have a real long arm, yeah. right? After yeah. a while. Yeah. Get the best so, they, so, ever. so, wait. Yeah. So, for real, they can take stem cells and your arm will I'm, keep I, growing? I, I met a Navy doctor that was at. Um, I think NIH doing that. And he was like, hey, this is coming in the next like 10 to 15 years. And like, it's your nerves, it's your body. Damn. But I don't know. I mean, two of the two of the guys that are quadruple amputees got double arm transplants. So like there was five of us, now there's only three because the other two quit our club. <laughs> <laughs> and the arms are functional and working and... Yeah. Can they grab things? Kinda, uh-huh. mm. kinda. They do a lot more sandwiching, you know, like pinching yeah. it. Um, I, if they're happy, I'm uh, great. If they're happy, yeah. happy for them. I just know, I just know, replacing nerves or connecting nerves is really freaking hard. A centimeter a month for yeah. eighteen months, and that's it. So like this little guy, what are you gonna do? This one, I'd probably get something, but then I was like, I got someone else's hand on, which really kind of freaks me out. And not talking bad about the people that do it. Like, mm-hmm. please, if you're listening and you're like, well, well I have that done. Good for you, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, and again, probably if you wait like three years, five years, stuff is advancing so quickly now mm-hmm. that things will probably just improve a ton. Like I, I got neck surgery uh, many years ago, and just after I got neck surgery, they came out with like replacement discs, like a little vertebrae that you can put in there. And it was like experimental, and I knew a couple guys get it, got it and everything, and one of my friends got pretty bad problems with it. Didn't work out good. And but now like a bunch of people have gotten it and it works really good. And this was over the span of ten years. So the advances that and things are improving so much faster right now. Like just with technology is just improving so rapidly because like AI, you can have AI working on some problem while you're not having to do anything. You know, you just like yeah. run the run the uh the protocols or whatever. What's well, like it out? They're doing three D printing now for socket fits. And they're, oh, that's they're like awesome. they fit better than the molds that they're doing. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I don't have it, but that's what uh-huh. I've been told. But you might eventually get something like that. You know, let me tell you something. The Vietnam vets, they come in with their old sea legs, and they come in with their old, you know, body powered hooks. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, check out this. Like this hand spins three. Oh my gosh, look at that! Isn't that cool? You want that? No. What I got works. Mm-hmm. And then I get told like, hey, they got this new thing. I'm like, cool. I'm that Vietnam vet now. I'm like, no, no, what I got works. How long did it take you to learn how to work the hand? So um, it took me, well, I mean, five weeks to get a hand. And they have like this, 
the sensors hooked to my arm, so I like have to flex a certain way for it to make it work. The and sensors that are in, hooked to your arm, they're like, are they like pads that you push into? Yeah, that you push into basically. Kinda like I yeah. So like it's like um, a button in there. Yeah, of sorts. Have I not? I've show, uh, make a fist real quick. Make a fist. Rev the engine like on a, mo on a motorcycle. So this muscle right here, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I have that, and then the muscle down. If you go down, the muscle down here. Oh yeah, yeah. So if I twitch this muscle slow, it opens. If I flex it, like if I flex it towards the ceiling, right. if I flex it up fast, it rotates around okay. to the left. Huh. And then if I go down slow, and then down fast. Got it. And but you don't think about that anymore. I mean, some kinda, but like people, because I can't feel. So when I grab something like this can, I have to like watch what I'm doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was in the VA bathroom like when I first retired. And I was taking a pee, not paying attention. I, I just grabbed right a hold of myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I about passed out from the pain. And I had to, like, breathe through it. Like, okay, we got to breathe this out because I need to I need, to, I need to unflex this. I need to flex this hand up Ooh, slowly. Yeah. I, I really got to stop grabbing my wiener at the yeah. urinal right now. Because <laughs> I almost passed out from the pain. I mean, it was. I was like, oh. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Is you, so, so if you, yeah. like, tense your arm because you're in pain, then it's does it grab harder and all of a sudden you're yeah. just in a real pickle? Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. But uh, I remember like in the bathroom, like breathing it out, like, okay, like talking myself off the ledge, like this, this, uh, this is not this is good. This problem. Yeah. I'm just happy no one walked in on me talking to myself at the, at the urinal. Like, let go. Just like, let, we're just going to let go right now. <laughs> That's off the rails. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, All right. Uh, well, okay. So yeah, go. Uh, like, things happen, right? Like the other night, my one arm. I, I, I have a couple arms, and I usually put one on the charger, and I wear one, and I switch them out. Mm -hmm. Well, I had the one on longer than I thought, so it died. So I had my arm on with a hook, and I had to go upstairs. Ten thirty at night, right? Everybody's already in bed. I'm up watching college football or something. Mm -hmm. I grab my other arm. I go out to the elevator. I try to switch the hook out. The hook falls on the ground. Okay, now I don't have. So now, right, what I have is my hook on the ground. I'm in my wheelchair, mm -hmm. and I can't reach it. Well, then I switch out the hand. I switch this arm out, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to switch it out quick and get the one that's powered. So I put the one that has the power on it. I can't get that. I knocked the other arm onto the ground. Mm -hmm. So I'm, like, trying to fall on my chair, like, brushing it over against the wall. I got to go downstairs. I got to drive over and get my hand, put my hand on this arm, get it to work, Pick up the other arm, pick the hook up, take the hand off, put the hook on. <laughs> and but but again, this is all like I'm banging and clanging yeah. stuff where I'm waking everybody up. But like that's where you guys stay patient, right? Mm -hmm. I mean it wasn't like grabbing myself, like passing out from pain, but boy, I was mad. And that's when you're like, Why is this my life? Like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me right now? Mm -hmm. But I made it work. Mm-hmm. You know. How long does the how long does the power in the arm last for? About a day and a half. Oh, okay. Day and a half, two days. And but. you got two of them on rotation? Yeah. Yeah. I have a few of them. Jack. <sighs> All right. Because then when I go to get them, they're like, sometimes like, well, what, you want another one? I'm like, well, yeah. And then they look at me funny. I'm like, you ever had no hands and then have one not work and then you need one because you don't have them? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. no, well, no. I'm like, yeah, well, that's, that's what happens to me. Make, so Give me another one. So I'll take another, please. Yeah. <laughs> within the bylaw, within the guideline. <laughs> Uh, principle 11, serve, find your for, for, find your voice, build on your strengths and live meaningfully. So this is where we start talking about this is a, um, PTG, P 
post-traumatic growth. I'm no expert, so I point at PATH founder, and this is P-A-T-H-H founder, Josh Goldberg, who wrote Struggle Well to better explain how this happens. A great deal of the time, people who go through these difficult life experiences, these traumas and these losses, often reported in the aftermath of that experience, going through the the process of post-traumatic growth. This leads them to report that their life had changed for the better in terms of it being more authentic and more meaningful and more purposeful than it was before they had the experience. They talk about growing in terms of their sense of hope for the future, a recognition of the value of deeper relationships with other people, a sense of personal strength, the idea that nothing can be permanently not the idea that nothing can permanently knock us down, an appreciation for the small and big things in life, and spiritual and existential growth, the idea that they are now asking and reflecting upon the deepest questions that life can offer us. Who am I, why am I here, and where do I belong? And that's what post-traumatic growth describes and what the entire science and concept behind it are all about. So this is just like the opposite of, well, maybe it's not the opposite of, but it's a different take on post-traumatic stress disorder, which is like I got a real problem because this bad thing happened to me. This is, hey, this bad thing happened to me. And I'm actually better because of it. And then the, did I not spell out what path meant in there? It's not in here. What? Uh, I found it on your website. Absolute though. It is. Uh, it is progressive and alternative training for helping heroes. So that's the that's the nonprofit that we partner with, mm-hmm. and we have the. There's like ten facilities around the nation, and that's for combat veterans, and um, it's for first responders, and it's a week week long course. We get a big grant. Um, Avalon uh, Avalon Action Alliance. Anyway, we get a grant for it, mm-hmm. and then there's places all, like throughout the nation that do it, and it's one of the best in the nation. Um, and I live, and I, I look. I know we have it in my foundation, so I'm like, oh, it's the best in the nation. Mm-hmm. But, but really, it is. I mean, the amount of letters um, we get from either the person that came or the family members, spouses, moms, dads, about the change they actually see in the person that came to the to the program. Um, I, it just, it just lift you up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a few people say like, this is my last thing. I was going to commit suicide so after this. It's the, this is the most effective one that you've seen. Well, there's this one and there's one out of Massachusetts called home base that I, I believe in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a two week program. This is a one week and then follow ons. And you know, it, it's, it's cool because it's train the trainer. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody wants to train the trainer. It's, it's people that have been through the program that actually did serve, whether they're, we have some state troopers as well as combat veterans that lead it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, the thing is you have to fill out the paperwork yourself. Like if, say, say your wife thinks you should go and she hits up the website, she fills it out, doesn't matter. This person has to want to go. Mm-hmm. And if if you sign up, you'll get in, but just they're on a little bit of a back order, so they're expanding right now. Um, I mean, yeah, and it, it, this isn't like any big secret. Um, I think we're buying another facility um, to actually run just path out of. Where? Just down the road. Okay. Actually, so actually, it's it's down the road from 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 the the camp, the emergency camp. Okay, right. So on. we're talking like three, like no, not even three miles. Probably probably a mile and a half from from where uh, the emergency camp is. Will it be a year round camp? It w- yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But we're um, I we're I think we put the op- we're about to put the offer in. Okay, awesome. But, um, I mean, it could fall through, but we're trying to find a facility so we can do instead of the twelve weeks we do now, um, at least twenty four weeks, because mm-hmm. um, there's nine days that. It's total for the path guides, but but we're trying to do that full time because it's it's there's so much need right now. Yeah. 
And I, and they're opening the program for a few other people. I don't think I can go into that right now, but they're opening the program mm-hmm. um, for, for more people to be able to do it. Good, so. good. No, uh, just reading about it sounds like an awesome program. And again, you got more information here in the book about it, so that's, that's cool. Um, going back to the book here, it says, like I said, at the end of the day, you get one go around in life. You get one chance to make your mark. How do you want to leave your mark on this world? The answer should give you purpose. If that's being a coach and giving your all to the students or being a parent and being the best darn parent there is, then how can you be better at that every day? And that leads to the, the final principle, principle number 12, make it a daily practice. Ask yourself what is stopping you from recalibrating. Resilience isn't something that you get like a sticker or a badge and then you carry around for your life. You need to continue to work at it. And you will want to because we all need it again and again. Hopefully by now you have learned that pain is good and important. Never fun or easy, but we can learn from it and build a resilience for it. Science shows that we can develop and improve our resilience, but it requires practice and consistency. Yeah, I think this is you know the, the, the biggest message or the underlying message in the book is like we all have the ability to get better, stronger, and recognizing that the pain and suffering that you have, you, first of all, you're gonna have it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have it in life. It doesn't matter. You're gonna have it. There's gonna be pain. There's gonna be suffering. You're gonna face disease. You're gonna lose people. You're gonna lose. You're gonna have to freaking fly home and put down your dog. Like things are gonna suck sometimes, and you gotta be able to deal with those things. And this is uh, another interesting point on that. Every day is a choice. Humans make about thirty-five thousand conscious decisions each day. Each decision, of course, can change your life in a big, in big ways and smalls, for better or worse. While I couldn't stop that IED from doing its job that day. I can stop it from detracting from the rest of my life. From those decisions, you have a choice of how to react. Do you choose to be angry, isolated, fearful, untrusting, or do you choose to be hopeful, fearless, and trusting? Yeah, I mean that right there, recognizing that you have the ability to decide which way you're gonna go. And, and, you know, the thing is with, with the book is we, uh, like you said, we have other people's stories too. You know, people go through divorce, house fires, cancer. You know, we, we all face something in life, like you said. There's, you know, um, there's just things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. And it's how we, we want to react to them. It's yeah. how we want to get through them. Um, and it's not, like, unheard of. Like, I'm not the only person to get blown up lose my arms and legs. As unique as it is, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one. And I had a guy that came to the hospital to tell me I'm not a bad person, God doesn't hate me, nothing I did in life made me deserve this, and that I was gonna be A-okay. I was gonna learn how to walk, drive, feed myself. And he was the second ever quadruple amputee, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and m- moreover than that, he was a Marine. So I was like, man, if he can figure it out, <laughs> I can't be that hard. <laughs> you know, no, good good guy, good guy, Todd, nicely. And and that's the thing, like, people have all, you know, it, it's, it's probably bad to say been there, done that, but people, they face the same problems. Mm-hmm. Whether they think they're alone or not or they believe that no one's out there like them, there's somebody out there that's most likely been through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I was trying to do with, with this is is try to highlight my story and my outlook but using other people's stories and their outlook. And then, like you said, I got all the psych- – I missed out on the most important psychologist apparently. I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah. But, you know, maybe – 
Maybe next time. Maybe next book. Yeah. The next 12 rules of warrior resilience you can yeah. get in, in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's that's what I said. It's like such a good guidebook. And, and you're right. I didn't, uh, you know, when I was highlighting what to read and after I read the book, uh, I wanted to kind of focus on the principles themselves today. But the, the stories that you've got in the book, and they're not all your stories. There's are your stories, but a lot of them are stories of people that you know, people that you've worked with, people that have come through. And they've got their their struggles that they've been through, whether it's losing a spouse and then losing a child. Like you got a woman in there that suffered through that. You got, you know, victims of disease, people that have been through, you know, got severe PTSD. So there's there's, the Sergeant Major that he lost a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. 20, I think you said 22 guys. Yeah. Um, A lot more wounded too. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he's, and he's one of our path guides actually. Yeah. That's like, like what better guy? Yeah, to be able to talk and help help people out for that. And I wasn't criticizing how you did this. I just meant. Oh, I appreciate the fact you're highlighting this. I didn't want to be. Yeah, it no, sound like criticism. No, it didn't come across that at all. It gra- just reminded me. You that, grabbed your knife when I said it. So <laughs> I was just like, Shit. When you mentioned that, I, I remember thinking consciously, like, okay, there's these stories that will definitely be able to show us examples, but it would. We'd yeah. just be like, I might as well just read the book. Might as well just do the audio book, which is apparently what you wanted me to do, anyways. Well, yeah, sorry. That's, you know what? I'm the worst. Ask, oh, good, my, ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, Only when I ask her what's for dinner at eight, you know, 7 in the morning. Yeah, it's not a good move. Don't need path to tell you that. <laughs> Every day is about control. A major plot point in this book is that you can't change what happened to you nor make it go away, but you can control your attitude. After all, you don't want to fall into the category of learned helplessness or victimhood. Here are a few ways to stave off helplessness. And you got a bunch of them here. Be optimistic. Have a creative outlet. Get walking. Any exercise is good. You got this thing, uh, practice a Japanese thing called forest bathing or shinrin-yoku, which is like going out into the wilderness which is awesome yeah uh, I, I think that was my idea probably yeah for sure for sure <laughs> uh while you're at it walk to the gym be, be grateful like these are the key components that you've got um so much about gaining and maintaining resilience is about practicing it and life gives us many opportunities to practice am i right once you make resilience a daily practice it will become second nature and with that inevitable next crisis or challenge you will be that much stronger and prepared to take it on. It will be about how to put the next foot in front of the other and keep you going, always bounce back. And just to close out uh, the book, I wanna read one little section from the, from the epilogue. It just says, as you finish this book, I wanna leave you with this message. You are a lot more resilient than you think you are. And there are things that you can choose to do to allow that resilience to bloom. Are you ready to make that choice? Man, I sound like a genius whenever you guys do this. I'm telling you what. A little bit of a miracle worker over here, I guess. Yeah, I'm telling you what. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, man, it's it is. It's because honestly, think about what you've been through. Think about where you're at now. Like, you've got some freaking lessons learned to pass on, and you pass them on in the book. are you ready to make that choice? And that's that's like the question, right? And like I said, you're living proof that it truly is a choice. Yeah. Uh, our attitude, our perspective, our ability to bounce back, that's on us, you know? So this book is gonna help a lot of people. 
And it's gonna, look, you don't need to be in one of these severe moments right now to be like, oh, well, I don't really have any trauma right now, so I don't need this book. A, this stuff is effective for, as Echo pointed out, like every day, what like what little, oh, you lost your job. That's not, that's probably not gonna leave like some big traumatic mark on you, but guess what? You gotta make some adjustments in life, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. got some things you're gonna have to get through. Uh, you might go through like a relationship issue. Like maybe you get, you know, you split up from your girlfriend if you're 19 years old. That can be traumatic when you're 19, right? Or you're getting a divorce. Like things that may not seem as severe as like what guys in the military might go through, there's still the principles in this book are gonna be able to help you out. And what's really nice is when you do face something that's more severe, when you lose a loved one, when there's some uh, horrible disease that enters your world, you'll you'll definitely have some tools to work through that stuff. And I think this, this is gonna help out so many people. Well, I appreciate that. Also, I was thinking, what is what is your nickname? Because I was about to call you Big Mac because you're the secret sauce, baby. You know oh. what I'm saying? That's, you know what I'm saying? Is that no? My 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 nickname is just my nickname is just Jocko. Just Jocko. Yeah. All right, so my parents gave me that nickname before I was even born. I so. know two other nicknames, by the way. For me? Yeah. Oh, what are they? Mothra. Oh, that's an old school one. Yep. And the other one is uh, Way of the Streets. Dang. Yep, so old school. So I remember Mothra. Yeah. Why did I come up with that? <laughs> I don't know uh, I why. I forget what I it was. There was. Well, some... Mothra is the bad guy on who? Godzilla was like the bad guy on Godzilla, but there was, yep. so Echo's brother had a social media platform before any of these other social media platforms were around. And it was almost, it was honestly, it seemed like there was 30 people on it, right? That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. There was probably thousands, but like yeah, they're the thi- like we would kind of all interact yeah. with each other. There was just a small a group of, of people that yeah. I actually knew yeah. the people, yeah. and for some reason, <laughs> it's a true story. There was some like probably some shit talking about like being Godzilla or something, and then I came back with like, well, I'm Mothra, and I'm yeah. like, so it's probably something stupid <laughs> like that. And then what was the other one? Way of the streets. Way of the streets. Where did that come from? Uh, I forget where it was, but to me, that one was like. The one that I would use from yeah. time to time. Oh, way yeah. Of the streets. Just uh, way of the streets. I forget where, oh, it, where it might be because I, we made that old advertisement for Victory MMA yeah. where I was like uh, in the streets. <laughs> I was saying that <laughs> jujitsu is good, like on the mat, in the cage, or in the streets. Okay, so to correct Jocko, because I remember way better. So he said well, his closing line in one of the videos was uh, gi, no gi, or in the streets. And then it says, dun, 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 then he says, uh, Making things work, making people hurt. <laughs> That's what Jocko said. His closing line. <laughs> and then, no, but then it came up later. I forget what, um, like what we're doing or what. Uh-huh. I don't know. But it was written like way of the street. Like, I think sure. you signed something. I don't know. It was like way of the streets. <laughs> and one time you said, uh, when we're going to go train. And uh-huh. you were like, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there at noon or whatever. And then. And then I would like talk some trash or whatever, and you'd be like, "Whatever." Then I'll see you at noon, gi or no gi. Then period, period, period. Wait for a little while, or of course, in the streets. In the streets. Yeah. There Wait you go. In the streets. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm from. secret sauce, but I can make some stuff work, make people hurt <laughs> yes, in the right. streets. Yes, That's right. That's in right. In the streets. Of you know, injustice. I, I found that as much as I really appreciate the gi that I got at camp. Mm-hmm. It's better be no gi because no can gi choke me. Yeah, yeah, well, you're you're at a disadvantage with gi because you can't grab. Yeah. you can't grab the gi, so you're much better off with no gi for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't mind if they wear a gi. I'm just saying I don't want to wear one. 
It, yeah. just, it sets yeah. me up for failure. It's yeah. Insane. Now, yeah. ghee is not good for you. I thought about going naked, you know, just like see who's really dedicated <laughs> enough. You, can, you, can, you can claim victory. I'm not, I'm not getting into well, the... Well, that's a shot uh, the old self-esteem, know. but okay. That's cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I've been slim fasting. I don't know if you noticed. Um, You've been what? Slim fasting. Sun fasting? Slim? Oh, fasting. slim fasting. Yeah. Jack. No, actually, uh, I I tried to do the RTDs, but then I just I drink too much of them. Like this is yeah. not reducing any calories. <laughs> well, I did like the crush, yeah. like how crushable these are. I uh-huh. did that story because yeah. I I find myself I'm like I'm on my third my third jock I'll go and I haven't had any water today. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like I know. Yeah, you're gonna be awake for 19 hours. Yeah, yeah. Does <laughs> electrolytes? You definitely gotta be. You definitely gotta be a little bit careful on that. That's what I find. Like I had one. Normally I don't drink them like after like maybe two oh. o'clock um, occasionally during the week if I'm coming to train that then I'll drink one on the way here but then you exert so much energy you're just gonna be tired but if I'm just not doing anything and I drink one bruh that's that's basically what I do I just ride around and do a bunch of phone calls and conference meetings and stuff and I just drink them yeah cause you know I work, I work out for the gram but that's it yeah. you know <laughs> and then it looks like the one video that you guys put out looks like I actually am choking you out you're telling me what to do mm-hmm. and it looks mm-hmm. like I'm actually getting you people are like oh my gosh you can't believe you choked him out I'm like yeah I know yeah I know that was yeah. all that was all make believe yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so you got this book, man. Order it. What, what, did we hit everything else? You got you got the Travis Mills Foundation, right? Yeah. You got the campus up in Maine, TravisMillsFoundation.org. This is a, I've been there. It. You know, I've met a bunch of people that have been through the programs. You do everything up there. Cooking, baking, martial arts, ropes course, cycling, horse riding, shooting, hiking, golf, massage therapy, ice fishing, yoga, archery, kayaking, canoeing, boating, fly fishing, bass fishing, pottery, Painting and snowshoeing to list a few of the freaking activities that and people they, can do up there. They bring out a dog sled in the wintertime, let people ride on a dog sled. That's oh, actually damn. pretty, it's pretty legit. Yeah, man. that sounds awesome. I mean, I mean, the other stuff's kind of cool too, I guess. Yeah. But uh, no, I look, I appreciate just the chance to hang out with you guys. You guys are always awesome. And, um, you know, with the book coming out, I'm, I'm fired up for it because I, I get asked all the time how I do it. And I thought, let me just figure out how I can show people how, how I do it or how they can do anything that's hard in life because. We all have, you know, we all have struggles and things like that that we go through where you could use a little guiding light. And I mean, I got tired of just saying like, well, I just do, you know, I have to, you have two choices, right? The real Oliver Twist situation, <laughs> get better or don't. What's the Oliver Twist situation? Isn't that, no, that's a rubber, that's a forest. Damn it. Oliver Twist. Bro, he just made, he just, he just, no, Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, man. Oliver he just made twist. a metaphor you didn't <laughs> No, it wasn't Oliver Twist. I'm thinking about Robert Ref- or, uh, the Fred. Damn it! I'm a doctor. Okay, I'm a doctor of three. What? Doctors. I wonder what metaphor you could have been thinking of. You know the t- uh, the the forest, both paths in the forest. It's like Robert Redford, maybe. Robert Redford's an actor. Exactly, isn't he? he says yeah, yeah. it. No, it's Robert Frost. Oh, Robert. Oh, Robert Frost. Two roads diverged yeah. in yellow wood. Yeah. What path I had to take, get better or not? <laughs> okay. I was Oliver Twist. Oliver I was like, please, sir, I want some more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> just like Oliver Twist, and of course I'm over here like, yeah, just like Oliver Twist, bro. Oh yeah, man. You know, like, it was just like that's Oliver, a brilliant metaphor. Oliver, I did not. Oliver just Twist. like Annie, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just the sun like, come out fiddler tomorrow. on the roof. Yeah, the sun will come out Let's tomorrow go. if you want it to. You know, if you let it. <laughs> just if you let it. Bet your bottom dollar. Uh, what else you got going on? Uh, you got Rebel for Good. So Rebel we talked about that. Yeah, everyone's gonna buy rebelforgood.com. They're gonna go and buy it. They're gonna love these shirts. They got the backwards. Best shirts. Every turn of life around. Yep. There you go. Yeah. So you can um, see that. 
You got the marina. You got the, the marina. Lakeside, Lakeside Lodge and Marina in East yeah. Winth- Winthrop, Maine. It's just like a, we just named it Lakeside Lodge because he's called Lakeside Motel and Cabins. And Norman Bates really didn't help us out with the whole motel oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. But we're actually doing a, a remodel right now. But it's, it's going well. Is it it's, open? It's fun. Uh, it closes down like two weeks. We have like the main okay. building open, but. So lakesidelodge.com, but people can come in there in the, sp- in the springtime, start coming back up to Maine for yeah, vacation but land? it's like number one, like fishing lake. So we have a lot of fishermen that come. Like number one bass lake in Maine on a lot of charts. No kidding. Yeah. I don't fish. So when people come in the office, like, hey, where are they catching the fish at? I'm like, in the water. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but where? I'm like, between the top and the bottom, I'm pretty sure. They're like, what do you know? What do you, what do you catch? Like, what do you catch? I'm like, I catch a buzz on my boat sometimes, but like, that's accidental. I don't try to do that. But they get, they get a little irritated. <laughs> And, and, then, then, and then you have the restaurant, the restaurant too. Yeah, the, the restaurant's the going pretty well. WhiteDuckPub.com. Oh, yeah. white, uh, white. Yes, it's white buck, WhiteDuckPub.com. I looked it up. Sure it's not White yeah, Duck Brew not, mm, No, I'm not sure, but, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, Anyways, if you I'm Google you. White Duck Pub, you'll find it. Yeah. What do you, what's the main deal going on there? It's just American Bistro. It's Open uh, year-round? Yeah, oh yeah, 11 to 9 every day. And um, we're a made-from-scratch kitchen, so nothing's ever frozen. Like, our wings take, like, 13 hours to make. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of them. We sold over 10,000 burgers the first year. This year, we're, like, crushing that. Damn. And uh, we have burger of the, like, we have uh, only one burger on the menu. It's not like you can get, like, this kind of burger and that kind of burger. It's like we have the White Duck Brew Pub Burger. What's the, what is the deal? What's, it's just really good. But, like, what is on a White Duck Burger? Lettuce, tomato, onion. <laughs> like Lettuce, tomato, bacon. onions. Just like it's a basic yeah. deal. It's not basic. It's not gourmet. Oh, it's gourmet for yeah, sure. It's like how you cook it. Kind yeah, of. yeah, it's true. And it's made with love. That's the kicker. So, and we have poutine. So, like our number one seller is actually the burger. Second thing we sell the most of is actually bacon, and third is potatoes. Hmm. Do you do breakfast or no? No. So how do you sell so much bacon uh, on the burgers? I think we just that's. I think that's why everything tastes good. I think we just <laughs> bacon everything. <laughs> it's like yeah. thick cut, delicious, like <laughs> organic <laughs> whatever bacon of awesomeness. Oh, yeah. And then. Yeah, and then um, up the hill, I own. Um, well, me and some me and some buddies, mm-hmm. we own a couple more buildings. We're putting a brewery in, and then eventually a distillery. I was in Arizona where JP was speaking. Actually, oh, I was okay. with JP, and I was speaking um, as well. But I was with JP there, and uh, we had a booth right next to Mama Lee's booth. We actually split awesome. the, the fundraising. Sweet, um, one hundred fifty thousand to each of us was really nice. Tarl Yarber put it on. Nice. You know, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this guy walks by. He's all tatted up. And he's pretty buff, and he walks by. I'm like, "Hey, look! I'm not a piece of meat. Stop looking at my looking at me like that, okay? My wife's a jealous type too, so it's not gonna happen." And I, the guy was even looking at me. <laughs> he's like, "What? What?" I'm like, "I saw you checking my legs out, okay? Looks are free, but that's all you're gonna get from mm-hmm. me, bud." And just like hit a conversation off. Turns out his name's John Peasy, uh, Peasley, and his wife Sarah, fantastic people. He is the biggest independent brewery and distillery owner in Arizona. Mm-hmm. He has Grand Canyon River. Um, brewing and and spirits. And he's like, dude, I'll show you how to do it all. So he's like, give me like the like he flew out to my gala. He hung out for a week. Oh, that's awesome, man. Good dude. Navy, so you're gonna Navy build vet. A, oh, awesome. Yeah, and he does jujitsu. He met Pete um, and Amanda at the at the gala. But so but yeah. you're gonna do a brewery, making mm-hmm. beer. Mm-hmm. Is it just beer? Is it like whiskey or something else? Or so just here's the thing: you take beer, when it goes bad, you can turn it within two weeks into vodka, gin. Whiskey takes four years for whiskey, but you can turn it all into that. Mm-hmm. That's what people do. So you can like go to the local distribution centers that got to send like all the old beer back. And instead of them paying to send it back, they'll just give it to you. No kidding. And then you get a crushing machine. You crush it down. You crush sell, beer? 
you crush the beer down, right? So they crush the cans. Oh, okay. And then you take the cans, turn those in for the aluminum prices, and then you get all this old beer, and two weeks later you got all the, the stuff made for vodka, gin, whatever. Are you the first person to think of this? No, that's what John told me. Oh, okay. And people do it all the time. But, like, this guy, Pumpkinhead, is a big beer that comes out. Mm -hmm. This guy had so much surplus, he didn't know what to do with it, and he made ice pick vodka. Boom. Yeah. So, so, so that's what you're going to do, going down that path as well. Yeah, but the, here's the beauty, right? Like, I'm not – I'm an equal owner, right? But I know my value is is in the <laughs> these pearly whites. I smile. <laughs> I shake some hands. I put some money in, mm -hmm. right? So out of the, the owners of the brewery, we have one guy that his son's a brewmaster, and he's um, going to, like, help out and work there. We have the other guy. He's put money in. He's a builder. He's mm -hmm. going to build it all. The other guy is um, me. And I'm just going to, like, shake hands, make deals, and say, hey, drink my beer because I have no arms and legs. People mm. just feel bad for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spoke to, the, like, the National Whole Builders Association or something out in Vegas, and, like, they love me. Uh -huh. And they'll bring me back, and I'll be like, hey, guys, I need all of you guys to buy my beer and Boom. sell it. And all of a sudden, Dogfish Head Brewing is not the only one that sold for $108 million. What, what? But then what, I visualize. Uh, what, do you know the name of your brewing beer? Yeah, they're going to call it Castle Island Brewery. Castle no, Island. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a different. That's a different road that I drive on. It's gonna be called Island Park Brewing. I gotta get that out of my head. Island Park Brewing. Island Park, because right across right. from where my restaurant is, there's make a sure bridge. You, make sure you get the URL for that like immediately. Yeah, because otherwise someone's gonna buy it as soon as they hear this, and they're gonna sell it back to you for a hundred thousand dollars. All right, because I want to. I want to be called Humble Beginnings anyway. I want Humble Beginnings Brewery, but okay, well. So then. I might buy that too. We'll see. Buy that both. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I just, my wife wants me to slow down, but this is all stuff that I have business partners in that yeah. we all know our role kind of. Like I'm not going to go there and lug kegs, mm -hmm. you know. I would. I'm just handicapped. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I definitely will promote it and try to get more people to drink it. But you won't lug kegs. Check. I mean, I might kick one over and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, push it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's my ability. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, does, does that get us up to speed? Are we there? Are we up to a little, little? I mean, I just hope everybody wants to come hang out with, with me in, in Maine because it gets lonely up there. Winters are long. Mm -hmm. Best time to visit's not in February. Mm -hmm. If you guys go there in February, I won't be there, but you're more than welcome. Where do you go? Do you go somewhere else for real? Uh, for like, uh, yeah. Arizona or something? No. Florida? Florida. Uh -huh. Yeah, just just like for a week. Yeah. Like the kids get a school week off. We go, when I say a week, I mean, my wife pushes it to like 10 days, mm -hmm. which really turns into like two weeks. Good. But I like it. We have a, a rental property outside of Disney. So sweet. Hey, where can people find you? So you got travismills.org. That's, that's the one. you. That's me. You got travismillsfoundation.org. Yep. And then you got lakesidelodging.com. You got the white duck pub or pub and brewery something.com. We're really not sure 100%. I think I think I'll, yeah yeah just travismills.org the website has all the little tiles I believe yeah. on there I don't know I then don't you know. got you're on Twitter you're on Facebook you're on Instagram I tell you what Instagram been growing I've been doing some fun videos yeah I'm the, taking a page out of your yep. guys's book I was yeah. like hey Ian Dow actually set me up with with Evan okay Ian's like yeah, yeah. look this guy's he's talented you're gonna love him he's my roommate now and he's gonna come do videos for you and I said look all I want is reels I want shorts and reels mm -hmm. and he's been doing pretty well yeah no he's he's cutting some good stuff man <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's at, at SSG yep. yeah. at SSG Travis Mills yep. and then you're on Facebook you're on Twitter and you're apparently you're in love with yourself on the gram is what I just heard I'm not in I love just with want, myself I want a bunch I of just, reels of myself yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, nothing wrong with that yeah. 
I mean, uh, do you know how much? Uh, let me tell you something. Before I see any of my videos on on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, I see you sitting talking to a mic, giving motivation like every day. <laughs> oh, but you don't want that. Okay, I, I see the difference. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I want that in my life, and you're like, I don't want it. Just kind of happens. I, it I just kind of happens. Yeah. So you're, I don't know what Echo's doing over there. He's got a camera. It looks like maybe, yeah. maybe he's gonna do something with it. It's not on I'm just, that. I'm just here to say what I'm gonna say in the yeah, microphone. I'm just saying it, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I do my part, you know? Yeah. Not, you're not lugging kegs. I'm not turning on the camera. I'm just here doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Check. Uh, and Echo then, Charles. Yes. Any questions? I don't. Oh, how do you power your arm? You at like USB so it's, something like that? See the little, the little gold things in there? Yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah. It's a magnetic charger. So oh, the special one. Yeah, yeah. And it lights up. It lights up green, and when it lit, when the little light on is green, it means it's charging. When it shuts off, it's done. Is that carbon fiber? It is. Yeah, Bro, I love carbon fiber. Go ahead, you can touch it. It's not right for me. If you notice the Mango Mayhem can, yeah. car- carbon fiber. The old one. The old one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not the not the new not one. Not the new one. We got denied the carbon fiber. Hey, it is what it is. Good to see you always. Uh, good to see you too, and I'm right. not sure. Um, are we supposed to talk about the, any of the beef stuff or no? Is that yeah, man? Yeah, we're, so, you, I mean, we're I selling just, some steak, man. I was man. just so fortunate that you were like, "Hey, yo, I'm gonna start this beef company. <laughs> you can be a part of it if you want." And I'm like, "I'm all about it. I'm all about about it." Yeah, yeah. So well, you know. I didn't start it, but luckily, uh, actually, Brian kind of spearheaded yeah, that yeah. thing, and he made connections with Jeff, and they put together so Colorado Craft Beef. That's right, Colorado Craft Beef. I have yeah. that going on too. Yeah. And I'm saying that because I, the last investment I did where I told my wife to believe in me, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. Rebelforgood.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. no we try, you're trying to recover from that. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Uh, great people, great company, yeah, great steaks. Nice. The steaks are freaking delicious. So, and Did they do jiu-jitsu before or they just tried at that time when they came to the camp? Uh, no, I think he's kind of like into training now. Yeah. Uh, you know? So, I hope yeah. everybody out there like listening knows when they come to, when they come to the camp, the jiu-jitsu camp, over there in Camp Laurel in yeah. Maine. I'm only 20 minutes down the road, so I will. I come out in a heckle, you know? We should do something, like, where people can swing by. You know, we'd go by the factory. We should do something, like, just, yeah. like, come by or something, come by the facility you know, every point. Like, every Friday, because I'm not sure what days you guys are doing it now, mm-hmm. but every Friday, like, the families always leave. So, yeah. like, it's just open. Getting clean, but it's open. Yeah. Check it to That'd be cool for people to be, yeah. come and check it out, maybe, like, get to meet you and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, you come down to camp, so people can meet you yeah. there, but. Well, I felt bad. I didn't even go to the purple and the blue belt. You know, you mats. straight to black. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you roll. Yep. That's Some how people you are roll. like. It took me twenty years to get over here. I'm like, it took me day two. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So Colorado craft beef. Look, you're gonna. You need steak. Get yourself some steak, people. There it is. Uh, <clears throat> Travis, any closing thoughts, bro? You know, um, look, everybody's biggest problems are biggest problem. My problems don't outweigh anybody else's. Uh, whatever Jocko or Echo go through, um, don't outweigh anybody else's. And we're on this together, so uh, I hope that this podcast has been fun, as well as you know, maybe opened your eyes to uh, new ways to think about your situations that you go through, your loved ones go through. And if you uh, want to get the book bounce back, by all means, go ahead. But if this is enough information, <laughs> take it, take it, and run with it, because you got legs to do that. Mm. <laughs> I got running legs too. It just takes me a while to put them on. <laughs> well, I That's can tell you that. Eat, eat. If you got something out of this podcast, you should definitely get the book because the book has infinitely more information, infinitely more stories, details that are really going to help everyone out. So, uh, yeah, man, get the book. And Travis, man, thank you. Once again, it's always an honor to be able to 
talk to you, be able to have you. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for writing these books. Both these books are awesome. And, um, you know, thanks for your service. Thanks for your sacrifice. Thanks for the service and sacrifice of your family. And most of all, bro, thanks for being an inspiration to everybody. Well, I um, appreciate you. You guys are so awesome. You say nice <laughs> things. I'm telling you what, he's got the secret sauce, old Big Mac over there. <laughs> but uh, on top of that, on top of that, I will say, I appreciate the fact that you have the book and it's all like went through and highlighted because I talked with Jenna and I said, hey, so yeah, she's like, you gonna come promote your book and come down? I was like, yeah, absolutely. What would you think about it? She goes, oh, I got it on PDF. I'm like, I I gave Leif like the th- like the third or second edition ever handed out. He goes, yeah, it's buried on my desk. She had no idea he even had it since camp. Oh, so, just saying. When are you going down there? Well, I'm gonna try to line a few things up. So oh, okay, so she'll, she'll have time to read it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, she's already read that on the I think PDF. Oh, okay, I sent her like cool. the manuscript. It, but it, the point it, was, it. I'm glad that you actually care about it. And, her, and Pete was like talking about how he cares about it, but then I talked to Leif, and he's like, "Yeah, it's, it's on my desk. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you." Dude, I was my dad was at my house. This was like a few years ago when I only had one book, the book Extreme Ownership, and like my dad was over at my house, and I don't know what he said or whatever. And he's like, "Yeah, need to take Extreme Ownership," he said to me, and I was like, "Have you even read the book?" And he was like, "Yeah, I could see immediately <laughs> yeah. he hadn't read." And I was like, "Bro," I was like, "Hey, yeah. Dad, you might want to check it out before you start trying to talk smack to me." That's like my uh, my wife. Someone will say like, "Oh my gosh, your husband when he said this in his presentation," and she just goes like, "Yeah, she's never seen me speak ever." <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, she don't care. Yeah, she doesn't care. She's heard enough. She's out by the pool, crap. just hanging out, waiting for me to <laughs> go on another work trip. You know. Oh man, awesome. Uh yeah, man. Like I said, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you do, man. And you're my hero. Quit it. Stop. Thank you, bro. Make me blush. You're my hero. You guys both are so awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks, bro. And with that, Travis Mills has left the building. Yes. And left us with some lessons and some leadership. And some inspiration. Yep. Literally nothing to complain about on earth. Yeah. You know which one stuck with me? Which uh like in day to day, that dog don't hunt. Mm-hmm. Bro, sometimes bro, you gotta just gotta let it go. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get and I get it. And and I said that thing earlier for a reason where it's like it trickles down to your everyday yeah, life yeah. because that's what most of us are dealing with most of the time. And I tried to make that point at the end, like just because you might feel like you're not going through any major problems right now, right. it's still there's you are going through things yeah. and these things will help you with everything that you're dealing with. And one of those things for sure is that dog don't hunt. Even the small problems, even and even Travis, he does such a good job in, in saying, "Hey, I realize my situation is very extreme compared to other people's bad situations." Mm-hmm. And really, he's—I'll even go one further and be like, "Hey, these principles apply to things that you wouldn't even look at and be like, oh, that's a bad situation.' Just like you, it's a—it's a way to choose to look at certain situations if they don't go the way that you wanted them to go in that moment. It's super yep. small situations. Yep. If you just, bro, the idea—if you just take that one where that dog don't hunt, bro, the idea of just—just just let it go, bro. Mm-hmm. Just let it go instead of looking. You know how they say, don't look behind, look mm-hmm. forward. You know, move forward." Yeah, that's a big deal when you can remember it. Yeah. It helps you a lot. For sure. For sure. And when you when you can do it with something as severe as what Travis has been been through, it means that the rest of us 
can do it over some much, much smaller things and medium things and big things. And that's the point that he made was like, oh, your biggest problem is like your biggest problem. Yeah. I, I remember that what the lesson I learned from that or the time I learned that was with my kids. Yeah. And like I was in the teams, we had war going on and people were getting killed. And like my daughter, you know, whatever, one of my daughters was like, oh, my God, let's see on a test in school or whatever in yeah. third grade. Yeah, that's real. And I'm and my my attitude like for a split second is like, you, this doesn't matter. And then I realized, oh, this is yeah. the biggest problem that she has in yeah. the world, yeah. and this is her world. That's another thing I always try to remember. Pete, you know, we look essentially. Are we all in the same world? Yes, we are. Sure, but everyone's in their own world. Yep. And whatever's going on in your world is what's going on in your world. Well, the, the rest of the world doesn't even matter compared to what's going on in your world. Yeah. So especially you get those teenage years, like you're. 16 years old and you get dumped by your girlfriend those dudes get broke up bro yeah mentally mm-hmm. so for those dudes and females too girls happens to them too so tons of lessons you know we forgot to mention that also you know uh travis mills was talking about all the different things that he's involved in. he's also in jocko fuel by the way yep you know so he's one of the one of the shareholders over at jocko fuel so if you want to support Jocko Fuel, it's going to help out across the board. All aspects, hydrate, uh, greens. You, The greens, man, underrated. Maybe they're not even underrated. Just maybe I need to do a better job of telling people about the greens. Yeah. The greens are the best, Yeah, uh, hands down. We got Go RTD. We already talked about that. Um, Mulk. Can't drink too many. Echo just pointed out. I think you got to really try. Because I think, I think if you are drinking four a day, you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and what I really meant, because only because, because I rethought about it, mm-hmm. the whole thing when I said it too, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, that, that, I don't even know if me saying it the way I did is as accurate as the message I was trying to say, given what Travis said, because he was talking about like, oh, I want to stay slim. And you know, when you're, when you're running a calorie deficit, mm-hmm. right? You ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Run a calorie deficit because you want to lose weight, mm-hmm. right? The right, the correct way and all this stuff. What I'm saying is if you're not necessarily quote unquote, focusing on a calorie deficit or if you are focused on calorie deficit but you're like oh I'll just drink these mulks cuz mm-hmm. they're you know it's better than eating like a whole freaking uh double burger with cheese and bacon or something like this from the white duck in or where yeah or what have you um you just got to be careful with that cuz if you're pounding yeah four or five mulks a day because they're good and you're like oh yeah I freaking I'm cleared hot yeah I got the green light as you guys say the cool thing about a mulk though and I I experienced this today no, I experienced it last night. I got home like kind of late from jujitsu, from training. Yeah. And so I had a lunch, late lunch mm. at like 2.30. And my late lunch was just like, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna have a, something light because we're gonna have dinner in a little while. And we're gonna have steaks. So yeah. I was fired up. So I was just, oh, I'll just have a mulk. So I had a RTD mulk. And, and, and honestly, I had a protein cookie. <laughs> I had a mulk <laughs> cookie. Right, but then, I, then three hours go by. And it's time for a ribeye steak, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm fired up, you know? And I didn't eat the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I ate like half of it, you know? Okay. Uh, got that primal beef. I was yeah. all fired up. Yeah. Primalbeef.com got myself a ribeye. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm all fired up and it's delicious. But I was full. Yeah. Already full. So, anyways, uh, jockofuel.com. Go there, get your stuff, get what you need, get. It's cold season coming. Get your immunity gigs back up. Get your cold war on. 
Get your vitamin D. Make sure you're taking that. You can get this stuff at Wawa. You can get it at Vitamin Shop, GNC, Military Commissaries, AFES, Hannaford, Dash Stores, Wakefern, ShopRite, HEB down in Tejas, been doing us right. Same with Meyer up in the Midwest, Harris Teeter, Lifetime Fitness, Shields, small gyms all over the place. Jiu-Jitsu gyms, if you want to sell Jocko Fuel, CrossFit gyms, you want to sell Jocko Fuel, JF Sales at JockoFuel.com. Give your clients what they need to get better. So we got that going for us. Also, you're just talking about Origin USA tonight. Talking about Origin USA. Making stuff in America. We got factories in America. That's what we got. We don't have slave labor overseas in dangerous factory settings, breathing chemicals, dumping chemicals into the atmosphere and into the water which is what they're doing in the clothes that you're buying if you're not buying from Origin USA. So go to originusa.com, help the national security of this country by bringing back manufacturing. What else do you need to know? Oh, you wanna know what we have? We have workout gear, we have jujitsu gear, we have rash guards, geese, we have t-shirts, hoodies, heavy hoodies, light hoodies, medium hoodies, kilo hoodies, jeans, heavy jeans, factory, light jeans, Delta, Boots, hats, you can just go there. Go there and get some American-made stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. Help across the board. We also have uh, another store that's been very creatively named. Jocko Store. Oh yeah, JockoStore.com. Mm-hmm. That's the Discipline Equals Freedom branch mm-hmm. of this whole representation thing that we're doing on the path. So yeah, Discipline <laughs> Equals Freedom, good. You know, all that, all that uh, type of stuff. So JockoStore.com. Is where you get it. Also, there's a subscription scenario. Don't want to forget about that. Mm-hmm. You want a new shirt every month, new design, a little bit more, you know, interesting type yeah. designs, little layers in there. Um, that's where you can get it. Can Called you get the, the old shirts? You can get the past shirts. Yes, if okay. you subscribe, like if you subscribe, shirt locker, mm-hmm. you subscribe right mm-hmm. now. But you want the, sh- you also want the shirt from last year. I don't know, October, whatever. Mm-hmm. Last year, yes, you can get it. The reason I ask that is because. I believe there were some backdoor channels utilized by my children mm-hmm. to get past shirts. Mm-hmm. And I thought they pulled some strings. Yeah. Which they did, apparently. Yes, they did. Uh, so the, my point in saying that, though, mm-hmm. is the designs are at a level of coolness mm-hmm. that even my own children yep. were like, yo. Got to represent that represent. one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a few. One. Hey, there's a few of them. And it's interesting because it's been going on for what i don't know a while mm-hmm. more than a year so there's like a backlog of designs yeah, yeah. that people just kind of are not familiar with so mm-hmm. they'll see like me or someone you know someone from the beginning days or whatever wearing would be like hey where'd that shirt come from like oh what is you know where did i get that shirt where do i get that shirt that's where you get it that's the gonna first, be the answer first world problems good shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. the toxic productivity shirt yep. oh yeah so there you go some good shirts uh subscription shirt locker jockostore.com primalbeef.com Get that get that beef from the Shenandoah Valley. Oh, yeah. Or ColoradoCraftBeef.com. Get that beef from the Colorado goodness. We also have a underground podcast, JockoUnderground.com. We answer your questions. It costs $8.18 a month. That's how we can own it. It's a platform that we own. If you can't afford it, we still want you there. Assistance at jockounderground.com. Check it out. YouTube, subscribe. Psychological Warfare, get it. Flipside Canvas, Dakota Meyer, making cool stuff to hang on your wall. Bunch of books. Obviously, the books for today, Bounce Back, 
12 warrior principles to reclaim and recalibrate your life. So get this book. Going to help you with everything that you're doing. Also, the last book that he wrote, which is phenomenal, Tough As They Come, man. Just check out Podcast 90, but get that book as well. And then obviously, I've written a bunch of books. You might want to check those out as well, especially those kids' books. Come on. Get, look, you want to stay on a crappy path and not get books for yourself, don't want to get Discipline for Freedom Field Manual, you don't want to get Leadership Strategy and Tactics Revised Expanded Edition, okay, okay, that's fine. You don't want to do it? You want to stay on a rut? Okay. But if don't do that to your kids or the neighbor's kids or your nephew, right? Get them the Warrior Kid books. Get them Mikey and the Dragons. That's what we're talking about. Echelon Front, echelonfront.com. We have a leadership consultancy. We can help your business, we can help your team, we can help you in life, in everything that you do by teaching you leadership. We can come into your organization, go to echelonfront.com to check that out. We also have the Extreme Ownership Academy online. It's extremeownership.com. That's gonna help you in life. It's gonna help you in business. It's gonna help you with your family. It's gonna help you interacting with other human beings. It's gonna help you lead yourself to victory. Extremeownership.com. And if you wanna help service members, Active and retired, you want to help their families, you want to help Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. she got a charity organization. If you want to donate or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. She is helping out so many people with that program. Also, check out heroesandhorses.org. Micah Fink taking people into the dang backwoods of Montana where they get lost so they can get found. And Jimmy May's got his organization beyondthebrotherhood.org. And obviously, obviously, travismillsfoundation.org. You heard what he's doing. And if you want to connect with us, Travis is on Instagram, apparently making his shorts reels. (laughs) And he's on Twitter, at SSG Travis Mills. That stands for Staff Sergeant. And Echo's there as well. As am I. Echoes at Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko. Just be careful because there's an algorithm that's trying to grab you by the back of the neck and kill you. That's what's going on. So don't let it happen. Thanks once again to Travis for joining us. The ultimate human being. Honored to talk to you and have you as a friend. Thank you for being who you are. And thanks to all the men and women in the military. Thank you for your service. Especially grateful for all of the recalibrated warriors who have served and sacrificed so much. Thank you all for our freedom. And also thanks to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders. Thank you for your service here on the home front to keep us safe every day. And to everyone else out there, I know life is a struggle. Struggle. You're gonna face struggle. And it can be rough. It can be really rough. But don't forget that while you can't choose the trauma that you are dealt, you can choose how you respond to it. And if Travis Mills can carry on like Travis Mills carries on, then I think we can all step up every day and get after it and until next time this is echo and jocko 